welcome to the GCW Plants Podcast, episode 43. Mr. John Wolf, how are you doing tonight, John? I'm doing really good. I dropped the J, so now I'm feeling a hell of a lot better about myself. Feeling positive inside, and I'm ready to talk a little bit about some GCW. How you doing tonight, man? Doing all right. Uh, <laughs> still still waking up here. Took a little still nap. waking up. Yeah. Yeah. Took a little nap here before the podcast, but... Uh, Excited to go over GCW's Save Me from the Talia Hall in Chicago, Illinois. And before we go over that, I know we have a couple talking points before we go into the review. So what would you like to talk about tonight, John? Okay, so first, Talia Hall, it's a new venue. GCW has never been there before. Um, there were people banging the mat. This crowd was absolutely hyped from the beginning this venue was constructed in 1892 and i also noticed it may have been the audio issues because there was a couple of small audio issues it happens but i was seeing there's a nice reverb and if you have a good building like that it's going to have a nice bounce to it so normally um lucha libre events are held there so this is something new i like the place i enjoyed the fact that it had that balcony and it had the multiple levels around there and it was a really good looking place especially for the age i I kind of like that look and I kind of like that era and it has just a little bit of like aged class. I think that's the best way to put it. So that's, that's the only thing I really wanted to mention. I just wanted to kind of give a little bit of a rundown on the venue because it's a beautiful venue and there's what, 130 years of history there. Yeah. That's uh one thing I did not know it was built that long ago. Cause uh, when this first right away, when the opening ha- uh, happened and GCW saved me, I sent you a text right away. I'm like, hey, I don't know if you're watching this, but it looks like the mini Hammerstein show. Like, it really looked like it from yes. the camera angles, the stage, the upper level of the tally. It looked like just like a mini Hammerstein uh, venue. And I, I loved it because it just reminded me of Hammerstein. And that was like a, such a fun show. And like this kind of like the whole production of it, of the, cran- of the fans and crowd up front too. Um like how like they were on stage for the mm-hmm. Hammerstein show. I, I just really thought this was Hammerstein and I, I loved it. Like right away, I'm like, I would like for them to go back to the venue just based off of the looks alone because it just brought me back to the fun Hammerstein show. And uh, as you said, I didn't know it was that old though. That's pretty crazy. I, that makes me not wonder how old the Hammerstein uh, place is and stuff like that. Because to me, it looked like this was built kind of like just – with the same kind of thought of let's do the Hammerstein look cool, but let's make a smaller version of it. And, but this was in 18, what you say, 1890 or something like that. So that's yeah. 1892. Yeah. That's crazy. Incredible. Beautiful spot. I'm hoping that they go back there again because it looks like it was justice approved for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, We'll go over that later for sure. But, uh, I also did too. You mentioned uh, about the whole Lucha Libre stuff. I really liked how once MLJ kind of did commentary for a couple of these matches, he brought that up right away and said like how um, the Chicago crowd is known for like the Lucha Libre style and like um, they are well aware of it and stuff like that. So especially with the opening match of Cole Radrick and Alrez, we saw a lot of Lucha stuff and I just really liked MLJ kind of giving the history of it. And I love the Cole crowd being appreciative of it, but it was like perfect timing of MLJ kind of giving a little backstory on this, the city of Chicago and how much Lucha means to the city of Chicago for wrestling. And I just thought it was a cool way to start off the show with all those little, the look of Talia Hall, MLJ kind of announcing the importance of it and, why the crowd was so into the match and stuff like that. I thought it was just a great way from everything production value before the match even started of giving a 
good backstory of this place and venue and the city itself. For the opening match of GCW Save Me, it is, as I said before, Cole Radrick, the Ratty Daddy, going against Arez. And I am slowly becoming a bigger fan of Arez. And I think what kind of started it was me going back and rewatching his match that he had at VXS against Drew Parker and how good it was until the ending. Um, hmm. I have a whole new appreciation for Arez after that match. And I've really always liked him since I saw him. I really like how he does like the whole, like the, when he does the kip up, but he kind of slowly rises from the back. Yeah. And stuff yeah. Like that. I think he is kind of like, I'm glad seeing him on here and I wanted to see a lot more of him. But um, this match too was a good little showcase of a one-on-one Arez because we usually normally see him in scrambles. If I'm not mistaken at the LA shows. So him going one-on-one against Cole was uh, fun to watch. And the some of these submission moves that, Arez has like when he has a mm-hmm. like when he puts him in the corner, they puts that he like wraps one leg, still has the arm bar, wraps that arm in the rope while he transitions to another arm bar with the other arm. Like he just wraps your body into the whole the the ropes, and then he has your body contorted and just able to pull. I just love that submission move when he does that. Um and it's been fun watching him kind of grow and, and uh improve his moveset as we uh See more of him in GCW, and this was definitely one of these matches where I think it was a nice, very nice showcase to see what he can do one on one. And Cole Radrick, of course, has been kind of slowed down a little bit since he lost the Extreme Title, but it is kind of nice seeing him in a one on one match, not just thrown into a random team with uh, SGC and stuff like that. So it is kind of nice to see a little purpose for him. I would like to see. I, I thought they were going to do something with him and Joey Janela when he lost the. Uh, extreme title back at what was that um fight club i thought that would kind of lead into a little feud between him and joey but it just seems like ever since then cold radrick's just kind of without a not without a purpose but without like any sort of urgency or storylines going in and i think that's kind of what's slowing kind of cooling down cole a little bit after the little hot run he had um in the year 2022 so hopefully this will kind of start and Help him get back on page, give him a little bit more purpose and a little bit more meaningful matches going into the rest of 2023. Cause I still think Cole Radrick has a bright future in GCW. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you're right. Just a little direction would be really beneficial right now. And then on the other side, Ares, what a treat to watch. I'm with you. He's fantastic. I really do appreciate the unique move set and yeah, that kip up that's so smooth with the slow roll up to the top just looks so good. And when he has the fans eating out of his hands, that kip up, the the people just go nuts for that when they see it, because he also has his hands out. He's got the Jesus pose going on, and and people really love that. It kind of reminds me of The Undertaker when he used to sit up. Yeah. That little little move got a nice crowd pop, and it seems like Arez gets kind of like that same pop whenever he does the rise up, as you said, with his arms out and stuff. I think that's a cool little thing that he's been doing, and I love to see him still keep on doing it. And it looks like he did put a lot of work into being unique, being different. You know, it's all there. I love the face paint. Everything about him, you could tell he put a lot of work into being different. And I really do like it a lot. Now, what I did notice in this match was the first two minutes was really, well, real wrestling. I don't have another way to put it. Matt based holds, reverses. 
And um, RS was primarily dominant the first quarter of the match. Raddy took over in the second quarter. RS took back in the third and Radrick in the last quarter. It really was back and forth, back and forth. They didn't really go outside the ring that much. No weapons, no blood. We're going to see no blood throughout this night. It's just, I believe, the venue that might very well just be how it is. But as an opener, this was a very wrestling heavy opener. And I really did enjoy it because we're finally pulling Arez from that scramble setting and putting him on a stage where he can breathe on his own. And we're realizing that he needs that amount of space to breathe. So it was really a nice welcome surprise to have him on as the first night of the uh, first match of the night. Yeah. And uh, MLJ made a comment, too, of how. When people normally hear Lucha style, they always think the high flying, the flips, and the arm drags and stuff. Where I think as this match kind of went along, Arez kind of showed the Lucha Libre technical style of Lucha Libre wrestling. And I just, MLJ's commentary with on this match was so spot on on all this stuff. He gave out a lot of cool historical facts and like just did a lot of exp- explaining to fans like that might not have known. Like for me, I didn't know how heavy Chicago was of Belucha city and stuff like that. So that was kind of nice of, to learn about that as um, MLJ was explaining it. But I think Cole and Arez did a very good job. As you said, was a lot of high flying flippy stuff. It wasn't a lot of uh, outside GCW brawling. It was more just stuff you would see like on triple A, a little more inside technical wrestling. And I think for an opener, it was different because normally with the openers, we see the high fly and that fast pace the crazy spots. But I think for this crowd, it kind of was a a good, very good opener to kind of let the rest of the car do all the high flying, the flippy, the dives and stuff like that. So I really do appreciate this opening match of telling a cool story in ring while also um, not kind of spoiling a lot of moves for the rest of the card later on, which is always good. Because then when you see it, it's not like the third or fourth time you've seen a Topo Suicida. It's going to be the first or second time mid show instead of right away in the first match, second match, third match. So I do appreciate how they kind of laid out this whole first match uh, of the night. So for me, RS is like the new toy at GCW. We do like him a lot. I think whoever found him, it was a fantastic choice to bring him to Brett to look at. But in the match overall, though, Cole was more dominant than I really expected. It was nice to see that he's still able to go in there with somebody of that caliber and just kick the shit out of him real good. He handled himself well. And again, um, Cole wrestled to RS's level. Cole seems to always wrestle to that other person's level, not the other way around. <clears throat> but Cole won. I'm sorry. The winner here was Cole Radrick. He had uh, cover with a little Sebastian's curse, but I wanted to mention it. It really didn't matter who won. It was enjoyable regardless. This is one of those matches where it was just so damn enjoyable. It it, it didn't matter. It was fun. Yeah. And I kind of feel that same way with our res, as you said, with Cole, like they play up to their opponents instead of just kind of doing what they could do the best of their ability at yeah, all times. Yeah. I do kind of feel the same way with the res when he's in these scrambles where, as you said, he doesn't have a lot of time to breathe and, and do all his moves and stuff. But whenever he does have that time, he shines and Cole and Cole Radrick, um, as you the same thing, like when he's going against, uh, a top death match wrestler, you know, he's going to be at the top of his game. You see like is also in the entrance too of what kind of mindset he's has in that night. If it's going to be this fun, silly, um, not so serious kind of match, or if it's going to be, hey, 
I'm in the zone. I'm enjoying this death match. We're going to go crazy during this. So I would like to kind of see for both competitors. And I just like to see this all at all, at all times in all sports anyway. Like you don't play down to your competitor's level. You always like play up to the top of your game. But having it be in the opener, you also don't want to go out there and uh, make the rest of the night very hard to follow your match. Uh, right. So to right. speak as well. So I do like how they kind of did both. um this was a good opening match, as you said. It was very enjoyable. It didn't matter who won. I I loved every piece of it. I don't mind them how they did kind of didn't go full balls to the wall crazy, but whatever they did in the ring, especially on the technical stuff, I I loved it. And I definitely would like to see these two run it back because I, I like the whole uh, – they did a lot of cool sequences, and I just think they are both show that their diversity in wrestling uh, in this matchup. Yeah, and with Cole, you're right. He's versatile, which gives him depth. So he's not one dimensional and we do have some wrestlers. They're one dimensional. I'm not saying here. I'm not, I'm just saying overall, as a whole, we have quite a few that they have one thing. That's what they do. If you pull them outside of that, they are truly outside of their element and it's a whole other ball game. So it is really nice to see that he's that adaptive. And I see Cole like posting a lot of stuff on Twitter lately of like striking like mma boxing kickboxing and stuff so i'm wondering yeah. if he's going to start incorporating more of that into his moveset as we go forward we haven't seen too much of it but i could see him trying to as we were kind of talking about off off uh the podcast a little like a changing up of just a little tweak to not your character but i think if he starts adding some more moves to his moveset and stuff like that especially the striking with as versatile as his moveset already is but i think the one thing that is lacking is the technical or the striking i definitely would like to see him kind of incorporate a little bit more kickboxing and uh not stiffer strikes but more realistic looking strikes into his arsenal i think that would just be look it would fit him well with as good as he is technical and the innovative moves that he does um like the little sebastian's curse and stuff like that i think it could only Mm -hmm. enhance his moves and uh keep on improving his character as well yeah i've seen the same thing online he's like you know what time for me to get my ass in gear i appreciate that good for him and i wish him luck because everybody wins if he gets his ass in gear whatever it is that he wants to improve and get himself going on fantastic if he wants to look at the body then he's looking at promos whatever it is bless him let him do it and i hope that he comes back a better person yeah definitely want to see though uh actually i want to see our res kind of like show out on collective weekend i think collective weekend could be uh, one of those weekends where it's his time to kind of shine, especially during that uh, Lucha uh, Gringo. Oh, yeah, Gringo wow. goes the world on Lucha. I'm excited to see what's in store for that night. And I think that that is the last wrestling card of the collective too. And I'd really think just because the way the LA crowd was the last couple times during the Lucha uh-huh. matches, I think that's that is a good way to end the night. And I can't wait to see what's in store for Arez and the rest of uh, Gringo Locos world on Lucha at the collective. Now, from a wrestling perspective, that might be the show of the weekend. Yeah. That's well, very possible. I was just telling you, I was like, oh, maybe I should uh, go see WrestleMania on Saturday. But like, nope, I can't. I don't want to. I want to watch a Gringo Loco show at night. So uh, I'm not going right? to WrestleMania. I'm going to go see the the real wrestling on Lucha style. For our second matchup of the evening, we kind of continue off with or continue on with the Lucha style as ASF goes one on one versus Star Boy Charlie. And this was the matchup I was interested to see because I think both are similar, but it's nice seeing Starboy Charlie go against someone smaller than him for once because usually he's always a small one. So I was interested to see if he would kind of be more heelish 
because he had the height and weight and size advantage or if he would still kind of play the baby face and try to get the crowd behind him even though he's not at a disadvantage i think it would, i thought this match would be a little bit harder for him to stay baby face just because he doesn't get the sympathy of going against someone taller and the david versus goliath everyone's rooting for david where this one he's the goliath and i think that's kind of how this match kind of ended up turning out too with the crowd started cheering for asf quite a bit and once again, not knowing the Chicago Lucha history, it was nice seeing uh, ASF get the reaction that he did from the Chicago crowd. And you're right. Starboy was the bigger of the two. I always think that's interesting when you have the little guy ending up being the bigger guy. It switches roles and same thing. It kind of stretches out the individual to see what they're capable of doing out there. I was expecting a fast-paced uh, match. And that's exactly what we got. There wasn't a lot of breathing room i just wanted to kind of say it was just go 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 not a lot of storytelling honestly not a huge amount of depth not gonna lie but they didn't necessarily need it because what they were doing here was absolutely just off the wall fantastic i'd watch it again i i'm trying to think of what else i can really say here but Starboy was the face, but I was almost unsure at one point because ASF was also gaining a lot of support from the fans. The first five minutes of this was just basically a flurry of moves. If you have a chance, I'd say go check it out because you're going to see ASF in a singles arena. And it's really fun to watch ASF work. So if you have a chance, please go check that out. It was loaded with holds and reversals. These two went move for move quite a bit. There was a lot of technical work there. Uh, it was just, there was a spot where Starboy hit a tombstone, then ASF reversed into his own tombstone. GCW chants were flying. This was a really exciting second match, and I think it fit perfect, perfectly up against that first match. I that's think, my opinion. Yep, that's where I was going to go. I think it was had a lot of similarities to the first match, except we got to see a little bit more of the high flying in this match than we that we didn't see in the first match. But I think it's a, we can say the same thing for ASF than we can for Arez, and the same thing we can say for Starboy for Cole Radic, where um, ASF we normally see in scrambles or the the trios tags with lucha style. We don't, as you mentioned, we don't get to see him much of one on one. So seeing him go one on one, I think really the only time I seen him go one on one was against it's Gringo rare. or another luchador. Yeah. Oh yeah, Gringo. Yeah, so it's rare. It was nice seeing him kind of tell a story uh, by himself in the ring. And as you said, the first five minutes, I was like, okay, that that's an ASF match now. How much more does he have in the tank? Because that five minutes is what we usually get during the whole uh, scramble or tag match. So right, right. But I did like seeing once Starboy's versatility of being able to kind of play, go off the crowd of when it was time to go heel. He kind of did some heelish tactics and moves or it had like the heelish look on him. And ASF, I think, is just going to be so hard to root against <laughs> just because his size and his moveset and style and the, the smile on his face at all times. I think it makes it kind of hard for fans to boo him, especially once you start seeing him fly around the ring. But I think these two did just like Cole and um, Arez did. I think they did a fantastic job of showing, showcasing the lucha style of wrestling to the Chicago fans while also showcasing like ASF in a one-on-ones match and Starboy kind of being in a different dynamic than he normally was. And I thought this match was good because I didn't know how this would. I was excited for this because I didn't know mm-hmm. how it would play out. But um, 
it played out a little bit kind of how I thought it would, but a little bit different because, like I said, Starboy kind of not knowing if he's a baby face or heel, he kind of adapted kind of or uh, quickly during this match, and I, I enjoyed it. This was a good, fun match, and once again, just like ASF and or Arez and Cole, I would like to see these two run it back again. So our winner here ended up being Starboy Charlie. I will say I didn't I didn't ask for this. I didn't know I wanted it, and then I watched it. And I do want to kind of see this ran back again. Maybe I don't. I don't want to go too far, but I'd like to see maybe a, a lucha show supplemented maybe a little more often here because we have a fantastic set of high flyers and technicians that it would be nice to get them together and showcase them under the GCW name once every three four months. Yeah, and I think GCW has been very good, especially the last ooh, six months of wherever their location is and what kind of wrestling those fans are used to getting, especially like the older fans, like how this last week and in, in the South, we saw a lot more storyline and gimmick based and um, promo time than really in ring action. And with this being Chicago Lucha crowd, this was kind of a Lucha, not heavy show, but obviously started off super heavy Lucha. But when they go to like, um, and LA too. LA has the lucha crowd, but they also do the death matches. New Jersey, they want the death matches, so they get more of the death matches. So they're kind of doing a they're doing a good job, in my opinion, of catering to the crowd and what style of wrestling they like and booking around the fans. And I think that's been very enjoyable for the fans seeing the matchups that they kind of would be accustomed to enjoying and getting it in front of their faces with GCW. They are enjoying it. And I think the crowds have been very good lately just because of that. And let's not kind of under understate the fact that asf is constantly delivering that like when 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 he's on there man it's it's go 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 and it's always a good match I've, i don't think i've seen a bad asf match i know that really uh he puts himself out there and for the sake of maybe even messing up every now and then would much rather get something fantastic out there and again for people who really think about it accidents and slips happen all the time and anything that asf does it's never big it's just oh yeah i just need to get my footing here and that's just that plus i i can't do any of the stuff that asf can do but absolutely wonderful would definitely never complain if uh he was on a show i'm right there with you i'm all i would rather him go for the crazy shit that he does go for especially like when he's standing on Gringo shoulders and does some sort of flip outside or he does some crazy moves, as you said, that we've never seen. I'd rather see him go for it and have a small slip of like, hey, I didn't get my full jump off of Gringo shoulders. My foot slipped off. I'd rather see him go for those and do those minor slip ups and not try it at all and be safe and then kind of have not right, a boring right. match, but those Special moves that he does during these matches, as you said, I I'm all for if he goes for it and it hits four out of five. I'm all for it because we know the the how challenging it is to go and hit connect with some of these moves, especially some of the stuff that he was doing, like with action ray and scrambles and stuff like that. Like when he has a good base, we see the top end of ASF's game. But I would rather see him go for those crazy moves that we never see that often and fail every once every five times than him just kind of play it safe and we don't get the full version of what ASF is about because I think seeing ASF with his kind of like daredevil antics makes him ASF and makes him 
that loved by the crowd. Exactly. Instead of just playing it safe for we used to, I've like I was when I think of safe wrestlers, I always go to Randy Orton. He's like, I am not trying yeah. anything unless yeah. I know I've done it a thousand times and I was a thousand out of a thousand on it. Like, okay, you're gonna have a clean match. It just wouldn't be as daredevilish or not as uh, like kind of cookie cutter because we've seen the same moves from than you do. Where ASF, he's always doing something that we've never seen before, and I'd like to see him kind of keep that daredevil in him rather than kind of play it safe just to not mess up. Yeah, Orton, the man with no wasted moves. Yeah, that's what they like to say about him. Uh, I think he's one of the best in the game. So it's really nice to be compared to someone like that. Um, I don't think there's much more I can really say. This was more than I expected. And they gave him almost 14 minutes to breathe. They really trusted him out there and they did a damn good job. I thought it was going to be a short one, as you said, after like the first couple of minutes of the flurry. I thought it was just going to be a nice like, hey, seven minutes, just go crazy and do a bunch of spots that ASF normally is from. But I'm kind of glad they did go 13 because we got to see them stretch out ASF and Starboy. He could go at all times, but seeing ASF kind of go that long was nice to see, especially in a singles match where not a lot of the moves were repetitive and stuff. So I agree. It was a nice, solid back-to-back first two matches to start off. Talia Hall. Uh, I don't remember if we said a winner real fast, but Starboy Charlie does pick up the victory over ASF. And that will lead us into our third matchup of the evening as it is a GCW tag team title match as the champions Ciclope Medio Extremo Los Macisos go against Austin Matthews and Davey Bang the Bang Brothers. Um... Interesting matchup. I, I want to see the Bang Bros in GCW. I don't think they deserve a title shot. And I really, I think I was ta- we talked about this last time. I don't understand how they're giving these title shots away in the tag division. <laughs> like, it just seems like, hey, it's Los Macisos yeah. wrestling. This, and, but that's what I loved about the Bussy being tag champions is where you got to see Waves and Curls, main event, um, Dark Sheik, and Ant- uh, I think it was Anton Voorhees. Like, we get to see all these new tag teams wrestle for GCW and against Los Macisos. I just don't think they need to be challenging for for the tag titles yet, but I don't hate it. I just don't understand it. I like you. I'm a little picky when it comes to like booking, like it needs some, and especially indie wrestling is very hard. I know Brett always says, but like have it kind of make sense and be, um, be kind of lineal where there's like not rankings, but there's a reason why like East West express had a tied, tag title shot but even going off them they're 0-2 to start off this year as well so um i just like to see more of a reason of why these teams are getting tag titles but anytime i get to see bang bros back on gcw i don't complain especially against los macisos and this was a fun one once again i think los macisos was a good opponent for the bang bros to kind of show off their toughness and all their crazy moves that they're known for lately that they've been doing in gcw like with that wheelbarrow uh destroyer whatever they decide to use so i was looking forward to this match and i was wondering because the first two were more lucha style and mm-hmm. being los macizos i was wondering if it would get a little crazy with uh some doors or some ladders or some sort of fuckery during this match but talia hall's pretty strict it seemed like at this point of what was kind of going on but i like how halfway through the match we did get <laughs> we did get the fuckery as los macizos brought out the doors then But good match, a good tag team match. I enjoyed it. What was your thoughts on this match? Okay, so I think when it comes to Los Macisos, 
and the way GCW runs this, this is an anyone, anytime, anywhere kind of situation. I think that's what's really going on with the titles there. That's, I mean, that's kind of the way I would shine that, if anything. It's just whoever, come who may, we're fucking them up anyway. And there you go. Thing. Right there. As soon as you said that, I was like, oh, yeah. Kind of like the AWTNT title. Like, hey, people that we don't normally see in our like, open challenge title. And I'm all for that. Roll. Yeah. yeah. I, did, I didn't have, I, yeah, my, my brain froze and I wasn't thinking that. But that little explanation was enough for me to be like, okay, yeah, keep this going. Because that's, I do that's like the that. only thing I can think of. But I do like that, though, because you just never know who's like, who's could show up to possibly right. be the. Or challenge for the te- for the title, especially it's kind of cool seeing the open challenge for tag titles. So yeah, I definitely do like seeing that stuff. Yeah, I look at it that way, and then storyline wise, I would just say these guys are so badass they don't have to prepare. <laughs> just bring them in, bring them in, then you can take them back out when we're done with them. You know, I'd look at it that way. They also had my familiar music, and they were in their cow gear. Love I the won. cow gear. I don't know how it goes, man, but yeah, I'm a big fan of the cow gear that they have. I was also laughing because Emil said, I didn't know that speaking Spanish with cotton mouth would be so hard. <laughs> I I love GCW. It's so yes. GCW and it's so Emil. But uh, the Bang Bros came out hot in the first couple of minutes and they dominated. I would say about the first two or three minutes. But I was really more impressed by the fact that still, I say this all the time, they have so many team moves and it just makes them so damn unique. And I'm with you there where I just I appreciate them so much for what they're doing out there. And they're such a young tag team. Also, they I got to look it up when I get a chance, but they could not have been around very long. They look so young. Yeah, I I don't think they're over 20. Oof, I want to say 23. Maybe I could be completely wrong, but they, as you said, they look so young and they're so smooth as a tag team with all their moves. I, and that's what kind of what, really why I like like the East West Express is. They're always adding moves and they're, they're sync. Oh, I always have trouble with this word. How in sync they are, synchronous yeah, with their moves. Yeah. Like the yeah. Bang Bros are just like uh, just like that, except with a little bit more moves as tag teams with their in their arsenal because they've been tagging for a little bit longer. And I am always excited to see them because they never put on a bad match. And I love seeing Los Macisos go against these all these different kind of types because it gets to shows once again their versatility and as you said right it don't matter who's who's here who we're going against we're the tag champs we're ready to fuck you up whatever style you want to bring we've seen it and done it all so i do like how los macisos is kind of going through all the tag teams with that kind of mentality um during this title run okay so i went ahead and had the chance to look them up i'm going to tell you a little bit right now they've been wrestling since 2019 and it shows it shows August Matthews at 22. I'm guessing Davey's going to be around that same age, give or take a year. I mean, I don't yeah. know any better. But, uh, yeah, you can find Davey Bang also under the – he was a.k.a. the Puerto Rican cowboy. So, <laughs> so I don't want to know what kind of character that may have been. That, that could have been a good thing. It could have been funny. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, watch out for the Puerto Rican cowboy. He's coming through. Until then uh, – He's riding his horse and drinking the last of the bang since that went off the market now. So I wonder what their new name may or oh, may wait, not what? be. Yeah, I believe bang came off the market. It's done. Bang energy's off the market now? Yeah, I oh, think, I well, know you know what? Here we go. You talk for a second and I'm going to look up if bang is gone. Well, if bang is kaput. I always like to, whenever these they do wrestle, like I think it's they praise that. One of the commentators always goes like, hey. Make sure you do not search up this tag team at work. So any of you listening at work, please do not 
search up this tag team while on a uh, work device or computer because that will not be so good for you. Okay, so here we go. The uh, There was a public breakup between Bang Energy and Pepsi in June of 2022. They basically said they're not going to be working with them any longer. So let's see here. It, it, I don't know. It doesn't say. I'm not going to sit here and continuously read, but... Interesting. I, I never knew that. Um, For you to know that off the top of your head, though, that was a good call. I, I had yeah, no that idea was, that was a... That was a thing. And that would explain why the last couple of times, because the first times we saw them, they did come out with those energy drinks. And then right, the last couple right. of times we have not. I think I even said the first time we saw them, I was like, oh, where's the energy drinks? They didn't have it. But uh-huh. that explains it for months ago. Yeah. So I don't know if the company's going to continue, but when you lose a international distributor, it's never a good sign. And who the heck knows? Maybe it's being sold off. But even if it's being sold, it would have been sold to Pepsi. So who the hell knows? Yeah, they probably would have at least kept it just to archive the name and the business and, you know, roll it out with a cherry flavor or whatever. And then if it doesn't work, fuck it <laughs> on. But uh, OK, so back to it. The um, I'm sorry, not the Macisos. Los Macisos still looked like the more veteran team here. You could just see it. There was intuitive team moves like they've done them 10,000 times. It just looked a little more cohesive. And that comes with time. So nothing against the bank bros. It's just you do it 10,000 times. It's going to look just as fluid as Los Macisos have done it. They're also perfect opponents for Los Macisos. They're fast. They're agile. And Los Macisos are more strong and experienced. So this really gave us a little bit of everything. And we were really able to see it. Uh, about five minutes in was when you were talking about the fuckery kind of started to happen. They brought out the doors and chairs. Los Macisos did. Um, the temperature had been turned up in the match from this point forward. You you could feel it too, right? You could feel yeah. it kind of. It, it was time. Yeah, because you know? after the first, as I was saying, after the first two matches, it kind of seemed like it's as you said, it's time. Let's get let's get the fans. Yeah, uh, yeah, a little bit into it more GCW style. Yeah, so the one thing I was laughing about, because after all that shit came out, Davey Bang ended up going through the first door, and the Bang Bros spear Miedo through that second door. And probably about nine to ten minutes in, Ciclope started launching chairs at the Bang Bros. It, it got pretty vicious out there. It was a lot of fun. But overall, again, a successful title held. Our winner, Los Macisos. Miedo hits a pile driver on Davy Bang onto a bunch of chairs, and it looked nasty. Honestly, it was just a hard-fought match, and I, I was really happy both teams delivered. I wasn't expecting anything but a great match, and they really gave it to us on just a, a common night at, at GCW. Yeah, this has been a fun title run for Los Macisos. I kind of just like the the pussy run i like all the different tag teams are wrestling against and they're like wrestling their style too like not the los mm-hmm. style they're they're adapting their style to whoever their opponents are been and that's been kind of cool seeing um the variety and all the different wrestling kind of styles that los Macisos is why i like them because when we did the draft and kind of when los Macisos came back that's one thing i always said i love the versatility of them where you want a straight tag team match Against the the Bang Bros with not like yes they added doors and chairs later but they don't need any of that stuff to have nope. a good tag match and you want them as singles competitors they'll go against sing- uh, wrestle singles you want them in a death match they're in a death match so um, we're seeing all these different kind of styles of tag matches with their title run uh, at this point I was still really excited to see 
what their match would be against the East West Express. Um, that that's what that was the lead up to. Actually, they wrestled uh, someone else before the rest of the East West Express. But um, just seeing their title run and how they're just adapting to all these different styles. And I didn't know Miedo's like still like I wonder how really hurt his shoulder is. Um, because he yeah, it's still, been perpetual constant. Yeah. And since they've been back, they've been every week on GCW shows. I don't, I can't think of one show. Maybe they haven't been on since they've returned to GCW. Like the backyard wrestling show is like what the work that comes to my mind. Yeah, but they're just there nonstop, and I'm all for it. I love it, but I think just it's crazy they've gone. I think whenever they do lose the tag titles, uh, I think they deserve a little break here to go rest up, heal up, and then kind of make like a little surprise return during one of these uh deathmatch tournaments coming up maybe in the summer or something like that cuz i th- i think they've just been going a thousand and ten percent and they've definitely earned a little break to kind of re- recoup and recover from these injuries because it's i just wonder how long or how much is going to keep on taking out of Miedo especially with that shoulder he just is always to be in perpetual as you said perpetual pain with this so um, I don't want to see the title run end <laughs> just because of this. I think they right. would take a break, but I would absolutely be all for it too, just to see them kind of come back a hundred percent as they did when they first originally came back, uh, last year. Yeah. So he was without his brace. Um, was it new year's night? Uh, or, no, he, or new year's. I mean, I mean, was it new year's Eve or was no, it yeah, new year's the rumble. day? Yep, during the Rumble New Year's Day. Yeah, and he was without his brace then, and he checked out halfway through that match. So I was looking to see if he was going to have that brace back on, and of course that brace was back on, no questions asked. Yeah, the motherfucker's working hard. There's no other way to put it. He's out there, he is injured, and he's still doing his thing. I really hope that Los Macisos gets as much respect or as much respect as they deserve because... They are workhorses well beyond what I expected when I first seen them. I had no idea how valuable they are to GCW. And I also wanted to mention that on Twitter, I got a thing from Los Macis, or sorry, from Miedo that said, thank you so much for our support from the podcast. So I wanted to also kind of share that publicly with everyone too, that you know, we're, we're getting Los Macisos are our shit, man. And yes. it was cool to get something from Miedo saying, hey, thanks a lot for supporting us. So right back at you, bro. We love you. Yeah, it is cool. Like whenever they do interact on Twitter, because they, they don't do it often. But whenever they do it, then especially with like to one to us, obviously something we said is it always, a, it always feels nice to kind of be seen that giving them the appreciation. Because like I, I was excited when they've been here and I have zero issues with their like they haven't had a bad match since they've been back they've i mean we've seen ciclope light himself in on fire in front of what that was maybe 100 150 people at that one show that right. was like a show that did not deserve i'm not gonna say they deserve that but i no one was thought, that milwaukee it was like that one little place that had like the cool background the painting but it was like such yeah, a small yeah. venue where like like they couldn't even jump as high as they could. Or else it was capacity. Oh yeah, for sure. I think that was Milwaukee because it was cold as fuck. I think fuck. you're right. I think. And they had right to now. open up because they went past capacity up there. Yeah, they had to put all the weapons indoors and stuff outside of the venue because there's no space inside to keep it all. Well, I'm going to tell you, if you really want to book a wrestling show, and I don't know how much you've seen in Vegas, obviously, but booking a wrestling show up north during snow season is fantastic people will come out for that because there's nothing else going on 
Really? No lie. Yeah, they'll be more than happy to come out for something. And that gives a lot of wrestling fans a good reason to come out. So yeah, a lot of a lot of them will support it more than you'd think. Yeah, I'm like I'm like the opposite, right? Oh shit, it's raining and snowing. I really don't want to be out there driving and <laughs> all that stuff. So it is. Yeah. I can see it though. Yeah, if you're stuck inside for three, four days or however long, less sports, less concerts. You know, you're inside the whole time. You start getting cabin fever, and you know your favorite wrestling company comes to town. You're on it. Yeah, and you're probably taking some people with you. Yeah, for sure. But, but just going back to my point with Los Macisos, like they're just willing to do whatever they can, no matter what the crowd looks like, to please and entertain the crowd. And that's why I was so excited when they were coming back. Because I knew they were tough, like just in some of those death matches they did early on in the early GCW days. But seeing all the injuries, that especially Miedo seems to have gotten hurt, uh, gotten injured mostly more than Ciclope during during this little run. Seeing him just still every day, like out there and even when he hurt his shoulder came back out 10 minutes later five minutes later during that match and with the separated yep. shoulder and finished it so it's just it's always nice to it, like i just appreciate los macisos being in gcw and as much fun as it has been seeing them i definitely think they should just get a little break here to kind of refuel reset everything up and then come back 100 percent and keep on killing it when they do come back yeah i think some rest is going to be well deserved with that shoulder and mad respect because they've 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 defended that belt, I mean, so successfully that a little time is well well deserved to have for a while. Heal up. Yes, for sure. Going into our fourth matchup of the evening, it is... I forgot what they called them. I think I actually heard a no heart once again instead of grave heart this time it was no, really i think it was either this show or maybe one of this weekend so i thought they announced them as no heart play christian i could be Ooh. could be wrong because like i said lately the especially with everything going on in the house i don't have the sound on as loud as i normally would but um blake christian goes one-on-one -on -one with leon slater which is another match that uh we've said we've kind of wanted to see leon have um in the States one-on-one -on -one while he's still out here forever and long he is out here. And Blake Christian, now that he is kind of full on heel, I was, I've been more into Blake. Like I said, I kind of would have, I thought I would be when he full on turned the heel and embraced the dark side. I'm liking where he's going with his character. <laughs> Embrace uh, the dark side. Yes. He, he, right now he reminds me of Anakin Skywalker trying to, well, fully on embracing like okay this is me i gotta put the mask on now and this is my new character i am now darth vader and i'm loving it because his look on his face he just has that smug look it's like you guys don't appreciate you guys didn't appreciate how good i was i'm gonna make you beg like beg for me to go back to being a face cheer for me because i just his attitude has been perfect for this character change and the stuff after the match, I'm always wondering who's going to run in, who's going to run in and kind of save him, save whoever. Uh, I, I think Blake's now just missing one face to kind of start a little storyline with. And I think we will be seeing it here soon um, with someone saving whoever Blake attacks after the match, because I'm love I enjoying this Blake, the dark side of Blake Christian and Leon Slater to go against this version of Blake. I Leon Slater is a good person to have Blake kind of, Keep on going with the heel tactics because everyone's going to be cheering for Leon. And as much hate as Blake's getting now, that's just going to put more heat on Blake, which is what he wants right now. And it's kind of glad seeing him get everything that he's been kind of uh, working for these last couple of weeks with this character change. Well, 
the setup between these two primarily is a perfect match because Blake Christian's going to win for being a heel and Leon Slater looks even better for being that face. So there's no losers here in this one either, unless someone goes out of character. Blake Christian comes out. He cuts a short little promo. I want to say Blake is much better off with short promos. I, I just, it just works for him. I don't know why. I think he takes his time. And also if he takes less time, that's good too. I don't know if that's just part of his style with stalling, which of course heels do. But he does take a lot more time as a heel than he does as a face. You can you can see that. So we can see his style coming out. And part of his style is going to be doing something and then staring at the fans while he sees their reaction on their faces. And I still stick with that. It's not going to be what he says. It's going to be his actions in the ring that's going to solidify him as a solid, well, solidify him as a solid heel. I've got some great words tonight, <laughs> but we we did have Leon chance. We had all heart chance. There was an initial belief that um, he was going to be a good guy, but I noticed that leather jacket that he had on. And I know that that's generally a, an indicator of what's going to be going on with our Blake that night. It's going to be exactly what he's wearing. And you called that last time because we said every you said every time like we see him in that tan, uh, like the the brown yeah. jacket. You said the mm-hmm. jacket is kind of how we're going to be seeing him. And now that he's the more darker heel character, we see an all black leather jacket in this case. And I, yep. I thought of the same thing too. Like right when I saw that, I was like, you called that whenever Blake was going through this process of turning heel where his outfit and the colors and the scheme and the jackets is going to go a long way. And that I think it went does. a long it way does. already. And I, the promo, as you said, the shorter, the better for him. Cause I think that's why they were booing him in Atlantic city in LA. Cause he always wanted to go on these promos, which was pretty much the exact same promo dragged out with just a different, uh, more popular free agent wrestler to, for him to go against while totally ignoring the GCW roster. So I agree with you. I think these shorter promos and having his actions kind of speak more than his words is going to be very better beneficial for him as a heel. And I think we're seeing absolutely what you just said there, right there, because his actions after these matches are getting a lot of heat <laughs> on social media and just yep. the crowd as well. So uh, everything you said right there was spot on. Yeah. It's just, you can tell he's an emotions type person. You can tell he's honest. So that's why I'd keep him off of extensive points of the microphone, because again, you can see he seems like an awfully nice guy. So you're going to have to do whatever it is short. I don't care if he has to drop someone with a super kick, pick up the mic and go, that's what you get. And blah, blah, blah. And throw the fucking microphone back down and walk the fuck off. Don't turn it into a diatribe. Don't try to tell us anything special. Don't try to get on the ground and stare at him real close with the microphone and try to be all (laughs) weird. Like we've seen it before. Honestly, he gets in, he gets out. It works out. I think he's a perfect heel. He's just now starting to find his footing and I support him in doing so. I think it would be nice to see. And I think he's finding it pretty fast where like, I I said, I'm all in like right as soon as he made that full change against Masha. And then the next night, Um, I'm all for seeing this heel Blake Christian because we said he needed to change a character. And I think his, like I said, the smug look is what gets it for me. Like how MJF, like he just knows he's going to be able to like make you look stupid on the mic where Blake Christian's like, I know I'm going to make you 
for the most part, be able to make you look stupid in the ring because of his moveset and how good he really is. And he's now just like, hey, I don't need you fans and I don't need your support. I know how good I am and I'm still going to be good, but I'm not going to give you the full Blake Christian experience. I'm going to withhold some of these cool moves because you guys don't deserve to see it. And that's just going to get him even more heat as a heel. And that's what we're seeing right now. Well, absolutely. The more he has out there, the more he uses in his arsenal, the more deadly of a heel he's going to look like. So I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, how far and where he develops um, his character into. This is a very fast paced match. I felt like I almost needed oxygen just to watch it. The first three minutes were a blur. That's what I put down. (laughs) The first three minutes were a blur. Afterwards, they fought on the stage. Eventually, they went around the ring. And then they finally got back into it. This, they went everywhere. They made a good usage of all the square footage in the place. And um, neither man was really letting up on the other. They were putting a lot into their performances. Later did the spot where he dived over the, uh, he dove over the corner post onto the floor. And yeah, I'm going to kind of go with you here. Blake did a fantastic job as a working heel in this match. I think this was a perfect match for him to do so also. Yeah, perfect opponent because Leon still kind of being new to the GCW crowd and how exciting his moveset is. He's still going to get all the cheers, but with now someone like Blake Christian to kind of stop and prevent some of those moves from happening, just only going to help Blake Christian as a heel. But then when Leon finally does able to connect with those high flying moves, it's going to even make a bigger pop, which is going to improve him. I, I thought this match was perfectly booked, perfectly like how they booked it in ring too, like and laid out and produced, or if you want to call it produced, I know there's no producers in GCW, but however they laid out this match, I thought was so perfect. And I I loved it because it just connected on not just in ring action, but storytelling emotions and possible future storylines of what, what could happen with both Blake and Leon. Well, here we are in another situation where we have a young performer in a almost 14 minute match. That's that's over the average. And there we are with Blake Christian, who he's been around, but I wouldn't call him a veteran yet. And, you know, they were allowed to go out there and breathe for that long. That's, again, a lot of trust. And I can see why, because they really did give us a good match. Blake was really in control about 60 percent of the match. And Slater was primarily fighting with his back against the wall. This is one of those matches where. The bad guy would hit you and, you know, the good guy's down for a little bit and he's injured. And it was kind of a beat down for quite a while. Around 10 minutes in, Blake starts talking trash and being disrespectful. And that was right around the time that Leon was slowly gaining more momentum. And it just kept continuing towards the end of the match. Slater was primarily in control at the end there. And then Blake played dirty. Here's how that went down. Basically, Blake hit a low blow and did a ripcord into a stand a standing Spanish fly. And then he went ahead and hit him for the curb stomp for the win. So, I mean, and you know how Blake is that entire sequence took maybe seven seconds. <laughs> right. So, yeah, but I mean, I was really happy with the match again. Leon is getting huge praise from the fans. I like seeing it during this time. Blake comes out and attacks him, puts his head in the chair and knees him in the head. I think this was the, Bye-bye until we can see Leon next time. Do you think that's what that was? Ooh, I don't know. Maybe he has to go home, so they're injuring him, quote-unquote, so we'll see him later. I don't know. That's interesting because... Like a send-off. I I see absolutely that part, but 
just because he did it to Masha before, and now that we've kind of seen a little bit more Blake matches, it seems like that's kind of his thing now at the end of matches. Oh, okay. Okay. I wonder if that's just something that he's going to do just to continue to get the heat and whatnot. But if it is Leon Slater's kind of like, as you said, kind of a good way to send him off to get him off of a reason to kind of get him off camera as he goes back to um, his home, his home over in the UK. I, I could absolutely see that too. And I didn't even think about it now. Now, as you said that, I'm like, Oh no, what is, this is the last time we get to see Leon for a while. Like it didn't hit me until you just said that. I was like, Oh no, I hope that is not the case. Well, I'll mention this right now because it's a little off topic, but we were just talking. It was just announced for the LA show in February that we're heading out to Los Macisos versus the Bollywood boys. Really? So we have those, and then we have Nick Gage versus Speedball Mike Bailey, Commander versus Leo Rush, Blake versus Mac. Whoa, 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 whoa. When did Ninja Mac get added? To LA? Yeah, our I show, February. I see that. Blake Christian versus Ninja Mac. I then not see that. That's, oh, yep, I see then, it right there. What the hell? Is it Ninja Mac or Willie Mac? Oh, it might Willie be Willie Mac. Mac, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be. Oh shit! I about that. I'm like, oh, one, we get to see Ninja Mac. That oh, I'm not complaining. Yeah, that's gonna be a good test for Blake Christian in his heel status. You got right now, correct? It's probably your top heel, other than like maybe Charles Mason, but especially going currently at the moment, Blake Christian being your top heel, and as Willie Mac's been, if not Nick Gage, Willie Mac, I've said has had the biggest pops in L.A. I can't actually wait for that match to see how. What turned what that crowd turns into if possibly they have like another Joey Janela incident was people throwing shit at Blake Christian now. <laughs> like Blake, that's gonna be oh, a test is how well he can ride that line while not overstepping it and causing a riot. I'm interested to see what that's gonna turn into in February. Well, with the whole Leon situation, he was helped to the back and the fans were chanting Leon, 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 Leon. So uh yeah, I'm with the fans. We've been saying it since day one. The more Leon Slater we can see, the better, because putting him in the ring just guarantees us an entertaining match. At least for as long as you'll put him out there, we're going to have a good time. The other thing I wanted to mention was I'd like to see Blake Christian um, team up with Masha. I think they'd be a fantastic. I think that would be a fantastic squad. I'd like to see that happen. I don't care. I don't care. I'd like to see it. I I think they'd work well together. I yeah no I'm agreeing with you up until obviously what happened at the end the storyline yeah yeah but no I think I even said before like I think I that is a pairing I think I said I would like to see because I think they both would play well off of each other as a heel tag team kind of like just you got kind of Masha being like the technical and uh smash mouth more heel where Blake's the cocky high flying kind of heel I always like thunder and lightning kind of tag team so. uh yeah, I definitely would like to see them kind of tag up maybe at some point. The other one would be him and Deppen. I think he could learn a little bit ah, from Deppen's heel moves right there, because Deppen has that smart ass smile. I think that Blake could really benefit from that smart ass smile he has. That's right. What I was so. about to say it was like, yeah, he could learn a lot from Tony Deppen of being a heat or getting heat as a heel, but. Tony Deppin also does kind of do it easily. Like, like it's just uh-huh. real simple, yep. easy heat to get, but just grab someone's hat, flip someone off and piss off a kid or a woman. And there you go. There's your kind of thing where Blake's kind of just going for like the hardcore fans and not, I'm going to go after these ones to really get underneath their skin more than just take the, easy. <laughs> he's not taking the low hanging fruit. He's like kind of challenging himself. And 
we saw at first the challenge was not too good when he was on the mic, but now that he's kind of finding, as you said, finding himself, I think he is challenging to see how well he can work as a heel to get some of these smarter, quote unquote, smarter wrestling fans to really truly hate him and not just give him the, oh, I'm booing you because everyone else is like, no, we actually kind of hate you for a reason. (laughs) For a reason, not like hate you as a wrestler, but like instead of just like, oh, like just booing him just because everyone else is like, he's given fans a personal reason, whatever reason that is for each person is going to be different. So I do like how he's, Testing himself here, testing himself out here. For our fifth matchup of the evening, it was supposed to be Joey Janela going one on one against Tony Deppin, but uh, some circumstances happened with Tony Deppin, so this ended up being a different match. Did you want to go over the changes to the match and uh, everything, John? Or, um, I guess I'll just put it this way yeah, it was supposed to be Deppin. But he couldn't make the show with travel issues. So Janela said he has a choice. He can either go sit on his ass or he could have a crazy match. So, of course, he decided he wanted to have a crazy match. He went ahead and dedicated his match to Marcus Crane. And he's wanting a fight. So who comes out? SGC comes out. One called Manders and Matthew Justice. And it didn't look very even. We had 2v1 at this point. So. Who's going to come out and help out Joey Janela? Jimmy. Jimmy Jimmy fucking Lloyd Lloyd comes out and helps him out. So we have Jimmy Lloyd versus uh, Jimmy. I'm sorry. Jimmy Lloyd and Joey Janela versus SGC for the tag team hardcore match. So do you want me to go ahead and do the old rundown? I'm already kind of in it. So. All right. So everybody who knows knows I'm going to go ahead. The word hardcore was in there. So I need to go (laughs) ahead and give a rundown because that's usually when weapons are involved. So minute number one, the match goes outside quickly as Joey dives through the ring onto SGC. Justice starts throwing chairs and Justice and Manders take turns swinging chairs onto Jimmy. Minutes two and three, there were a lot of brawling. They were trading punches in ring. I didn't put anything down here. There wasn't much. It was just real wrestling. Minute four, Justice was superplexed by Janela and Lloyd. Manders was using Justice as a battering ram and throws him against Lloyd and Janela in the corner. Minute five, tables come out. Two table bridges were made. Minute six, Justice chair shots on Jimmy Lloyd. They were nasty. Uh, actually, Justice always delivers nasty chair shots. I'm starting to kind of <laughs> remember. Like That's the only thing he does is hard chair shots. Manders was also beating on Janela with a chair. Minute seven, Justice was on the second level. Janela was su- Janela suplex Manders through a door and onto the floor. Minute eight, Justice, a huge dive from the balcony onto Lloyd. It was at least 20 feet high. You could see wrestlers coming out onto the stage to watch Justice's dive. The whole place was going nuts after that jump. GCW, GCW. Yeah, I loved how you said on social media too. Like, there's a couple different fan f- footage of the jump, and you could just see like, yeah. Uh, I I know I was I saw Jordan uh, like out there to watch the jump. I saw Brett out there. I forgot who the other wrestler was, but it was like I think it was Miedo actually or Ciclope, one of the two, out there to watch him jump because like you mm-hmm. as you said once you once you say justice and balcony, we kind of already know <laughs> what's going to happen there, and it was kind of cool though seeing the uh, the other wrestlers come out to kind of enjoy that moment and watch just. Just do it because it did look a lot. It didn't look higher 
than I originally thought. But like once I saw the fan footage of it, I was like, oh, yeah, that was pretty high coming because the fan was like right underneath the, where Matthew mm-hmm. jumped and had like a perfect view of the, what was going on in the stage and stuff like that. But yeah, Justice, Justice is crazy. I'm all for Justice just coming out. Nick Gage could come out and get his uh, entrance and and pop and be done. Justice could come out, jump off of some high shit and be done. And I'd be all for that. I want to see Gage do something like that. It's been a long time. I think think Gage take a fuck it. I want him going off the balcony for his last show. I don't even. I might have been this card or one of like the recent matches that Justice was in, where like you see Gage like, hell no, you'll never see me up that fucking high. Like (laughs) I got. I think he goes. I gotta have both of my feet on the ground, which is funny here and see. Smart, but it would be fun seeing a Nick Gage kind of do a little jump from the top like that. Oh hell yeah! All right, so. Minute nine, we had door chunks and chairs being thrown and swung on each other. There were broken items everywhere. Basically, at this point, everything that I had mentioned that had come into the ring or was pulled out from under the ring had completely been destroyed. On average, a door here would have been broken into four or five pieces. They had several doors in the rings. You couldn't walk a single square foot without accidentally stepping on something. That's how full it was out there. Minute number 10, all four men were openly swinging every object they can find at each other. There was a chair duel between Janela and Justice. Uh, Eventually, all four men were down. Minute 11, this is where there was a huge GCW chant, and it just hung in the air. It hung so hard after those guys beat the shit out of each other with the chairs that that was the only thing I mentioned for minute 11. Minute 12, this is awesome. Chants were coming out. Chunks of shit everywhere. Janela, Lloyd did double super super kicks on Manders into a slam through chairs. Minute 13, Justice piles every item available onto Jimmy Lloyd's body. But it ends up being our winner was Jimmy Lloyd and Joey Janela. They hit an avalanche 3D on Justice. That was a very, very, very busy, busy match. And it was a lot for an impromptu match. Um, Just kudos to everyone involved because I would have thought that would have taken more time to put together and they threw it together on the fly. Good for them. Yeah, and I do like how they said, like, let's make this one for Marcus. I definitely think Marcus was a... smiling from above because of all the the chaoticness of this match because this felt like as you said it was not probably planned out too much but for whatever they were able to plan out and kind of uh put together this match i don't think there's much planning with the sgc match anyway not in a bad way it's just hey we're gonna go out there wreck shit rock and and roll uh, yeah. yeah and i loved it um as you said when everything was in the ring and there was like just doors, pieces everywhere. There's nowhere like to stand. I even think like Justice went to go throw a chair shot, but like stepped on a piece of table that slipped on another piece of table. He kind of lost his footing. Like, you could just see that there was just carnage and bodies and doors and chairs everywhere. Um, earlier in the match too, Justice did that like, kind of a crazy spot. Uh, Jimmy was on the outside fighting with Manders and like inside Justice with Justice was with Joey. And then Jimmy kind of has his back facing uh justice and justice had a chair in his hand and he slid it outside the ring like on the ground underneath the Mm -hmm. bottom rope and it slid like right into jimmy lloyd's back but like the way he just kind of chucked it and the way it hit jimmy is like oh i can like he wasn't expecting that that was something justice like oh let me just try this out and just fucking flung that chair at him (laughs) you can just see jimmy like oh and turn around like what the hell is that like like that's just something like you don't expect like the way the the way the chair hit him seemed like it was not a normal kind of bump or uh, 
way a chair would connect with the body to Jimmy Lloyd, and it was kind of just seen Justice just like winging shit. But then that can always be dangerous whenever Justice decides to uh, go impromptu and off off a script, as you said, uh, if you will, and kind of just do what he wants to do because we just never know what is going on with that uh, brain of his. I loved it. Though. It was, this was fun. Yeah. No, I don't have much more. I just wanted to let you know that it was just what a surprise. And it was a nice surprise. And here they took a situation where it could have been something worse or we could have had something less and delivered. And that's a, like just real fast before we end this match. That's one thing I love where GCW does for the most part. Not at all venues, but for the venues that they know they can't get super crazy with light tubes and blood and all that stuff. This was one of these matches, like, it still felt like a GCW match without the quote-unquote ultraviolet. It just felt like a also old-school ECW match where we're just going to go crazy and cause a bunch of carnage. And it did not take away from it being a GCW show because, as we said, the first couple matches were just straight wrestling where, as the fans, as Los Macisos busted out the doors, you could kind of see the fans kind of want the violence, want the violence, and want the crazy. And they definitely got it during this match. And I was, I love how they're able to still get crazy while still kind of following uh, the Talia Hall rules that they have regarding uh, the ultra violence of weapons and stuff like that. For our sixth matchup of the evening, it is a four way scramble as Alec Price goes against El Mago, Robert Anthony, and Rocket. And I want to see more of Rocket. Rocket's one of these ones, too. I love seeing whenever he is... Uh, I think we've mostly seen him in a JCW show, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, not really a GCW show, but he's one that I enjoy watching. And I want to see what he can do more on the GCW kind of platform and um, uh, setting. Because... that If he gets the crowd to... If the GCW crowd accepts Rocket with like a GCW, not JCW. I think he could be up there with a with all these young talent we talk about. Even though I've only seen him a couple times, I really like what he could bring at such a young age, and he's he's pretty excited to watch. Yeah, the one match I'm thinking of was his him against Jordan in a it was the GCW show, quote unquote, the one of the settlement series matches. But um, it was nice seeing for myself seeing Rocket back in the GCW ring. So I was excited to see what him and Alec Price would kind of do during this match. And Rocket is so young. He has that young feel to him. You can see it in the ring. He's still learning how to do everything. You can just tell, like body placement, shoulders, hands. You can see uh, he's still learning, but what he does have is absolutely fantastic. He's got a lot of great building blocks there that I think he can really expand on down the road. As long as he stays dedicated to what he's doing, I think he has a very bright future ahead. Yeah, I agree too. Yeah, and uh, this one starts off kind of fun. I'm a big Alec Price fan, so Alec hits the mic. He calls the venue garbage, which to him, of course, everything's garbage. (laughs) Robert Anthony then grabs the mic from him, tells him he's the godfather of pro wrestling in Chicago. And if Alex wants to talk about his city, then he should do it. Or I'm sorry, he should do it right. He then turns and calls Chicago garbage, and that's why he moved to the suburbs, which immediately got heavy (laughs) heat on Anthony, and it was great. Uh, He brags that he has a front and a back lawn. They have free parking everywhere. Heavy, heavy booze at this point. He also calls out Sawyer Wreck. I really liked his old school promo style. It was gravelly. It was kind of like screamy almost, but he was scheduled to face off against her. 
And it just didn't happen that night. So I thought it was really cool that he at least acknowledged it so that the fans aren't sitting there without knowledge of what's going on. But yeah, Rocket's young. He's still new, has a lot of nice moves. Uh, Mago, another solid performance. I feel like I'm still learning about him. So the jury's still out, but what I've seen so far has been solid. I'm not saying he's high flying across, you know, I'm just saying what I've seen so far is solid. And it always takes me a little bit sometimes to see what Brett saw in that performer. And I'm just waiting to see exactly what it is for Mago. Just haven't seen it yet. Now, Robert Anthony, is this the same one that comes out with usually uh, Frank the Clown? Do you know or no? Ooh, that's a good say, question. I want to say like his face. I'll be honest with you. I don't. I think it's like Warrior Wrestling where we really see a lot of Frank the Clown. That's a kind of a Chicago based promotion as well. But um, I want to say he comes out with Frank the Clown a lot. And I'm really glad if so that he did not bring Frank the Clown because that is one character like he does such good work as a heel. I'm like, shut the hell up and get off my screen. Like, um, yep. But, Frank the Clown and Robert Ego Anthony. There's is, a okay, ton of video out there. I wasn't freelance and quite a few other places. So, okay. Yeah. And he, cause good Robert looked familiar, but like I've watched so much wrestling lately and like he, like I couldn't put my exact feet, my finger on exactly where I remember seeing him quite often, but now I, uh, now I put in Frank the Clown's face with him. I'm kind of glad Frank did not come with him. And I, don't, <laughs> I don't like Frank the Clown. I, I get like, that. That's fine. Like that means he's good at his character because like you don't want people like you. But um, I thought this was one of these matches made for Alec Price, kind of like to kind of um get him the victory. Kind of won't even though it's against three other competitors, they're not really uh as big a name per se as Alec Price. Maybe maybe Anthony is because of in the area wrestling in Chicago and stuff like that. But I thought this was kind of one of those cool like Alec, we're gonna give you the win here. Go show out. Go show what you could do against these three competitors. And um I enjoyed this match. Like you said, at Rocket, we didn't see much of it, but whatever we did see, I I want to see more of him. He's like he's so agile and so young and I think he he has a lot of growing to do. He's like very very green, but I'm impressed yep. of what I've seen with him. Where I think he could kind of turn into something. I'm not going to say Nick Wayne because that's probably once in a lifetime at that age to kind of be as good as he is. But I think he once kind of um, Rocky kind of finds his thing in character and gimmick and move style and style moves and stuff like that. I think he's going to be very fun to watch in the future. But I think Robert uh, Anthony was played a perfect heel in this match too of, with all the all the competitors because. He does that promo was pretty funny. I did I didn't I missed the story wreck part. Uh I don't know what I was doing that yeah. part, but I I didn't even know that he was supposed to go against Sora Rex, so that was kind of news to me that you said, but that would have been now now knowing that it would have been an interesting uh match because I wanted to see if he would get let Sawyer kind of get crazy with him or not during that match. Well that's the funny thing. These were two throw together matches back to back, if you think about it. Yeah. So uh, you know, that means that Alec Price was probably gonna face off against who? I forgot. Maybe Rocket? I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't remember the card announcement because this was like two weeks ago, but um, right. I forgot who was announced originally for Alec Price. But it is nice seeing Alec Price still traveling and working with GCW, <laughs> all these other different cities, not just back east. I was laughing because right after he said he was from the suburbs, that the fans <laughs> started yelling, fuck the suburbs, which there was, like I said, a couple issues with audio here and there, so I couldn't really figure out what was being said. No big deal. Um, 
Anthony hits this nice double suplex on Alec and Rocket at the same time. I wanted to at least mention that for a moment. Uh, another spot where Anthony puts Rocket into the taco pizza, which ends up being into an RKO from Alec Price. I thought that was a fantastic fucking move. Um, Rocket is a face. I put it down here. Plenty of upside. I like him. We kind of talked about that, but it was kind of funny. It was still in my notes there. Alec had Rocket in a torture rack at one point. Rocket flips into a destroyer on Mago. And yeah, and you know what? I'm just going to say it because I ended up just going through it like, yeah, a little more than I should have. But our winner, Alec Price, he hit a flipping DDT into a surprise kick on Rocket for the one, two, three. This was an exciting match. And you're right. I It was very Alec Price centric. But here we are again. We keep saying Rocket, 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 Rocket. He was He was front and center for quite a bit of it and did a damn good job. Yeah, and the more I see Alec Price now, I I want to see him and Blake Christian kind of have a little feud. Like I would like to see the yeah, but yeah. the face version of Alec Price, not the heel version, because I think Blake's being so good at heel. I think two heels going at it won't really work out. I think they would just naturally cheer for Alec Price anyway, just because he is getting cheered, even though his character is a heel. Um, I would, that's one feud I would kind of like to kind of see, have a nice little story and little series of matches between Blake and Alex. I think both are great young competitors and that would be fun to watch. I'd pay for it. (laughs) Yeah. This was a fun um, match though. Like for this four different talents, it was fun. It was a little different too. Each one had a little something different in the, you know, in the pot there. Um, Robert Anthony, he was definitely the veteran, even though Mago, I don't know how old he is, but you could tell he has more of a mature body. It's he's not 21 years old. But uh, yeah, I've I would again for a throw together, they did a damn good job. I'm not complaining. Yeah, I I loved it. This was a fun match. Oh, I just watched the the cutter move that you were saying from uh, Anthony had Rocket and like the surfboard, and then kind of flung vicious, him. right? Yeah, flung him right into Price for the the stunners. Or yeah, that was crazy. I love like yeah, Anthony kind of really stood out in this match to me too. Where I would not mind seeing him a little bit more of him in GCW as as a heel like obviously he does heal but i think gcw could always use those heels in different different programs to help elevate the faces and kind of add some storyline driven uh matches to get the fans more invested in the product and i think robert anthony would be a nice nice heel to kind of do that with some of the younger talent that they have yeah i love a good shit talker he's a good shit talker yes for sure our seventh matchup of the evening, as we were talking about storylines, this was kind of the big storyline match of the night as Harrow and Slade go against the team of Thrush, Thrush, sorry, with Alley Catch, Dark Sheik, and Effie. And uh, what are they? Mason Mercenaries, right? Yeah, Mason's Mercenaries. Yeah. Um, kind of like seeing Sl- Slade still being attached to Masics. I know there was a bit there where I couldn't. I thought they did have some sort of like blow up between the two and JCW, but then I do remember I think Slade did come back as a surprise and help out Mason to kind of not fully be done with that uh, team. So it is nice seeing Slade working with Pero against this match, and I was all for the storyline and the ending. Kind of threw a curveball that. I did not expect, but I'm very glad it happened because it added some more depth to this uh, to this feud and this storyline that we've been kind of saying we wanted. So um, the match was pretty good so far. I was really just looking forward to what was going to happen at the end. and But the match was nice and solid and told a pretty good story with Team Thrusty working together to beat the Mason Mercenaries' asses. Well, 
the beginning of this match broke out almost SGC style. It immediately broke out across the place. Allie was thrown into a bunch of chairs. She slid like four rows back. Effie was diving on Pero. Sheik was diving on Slade. It was just chaos for the first couple minutes. It was really exciting. About three to four minutes in, and we actually had tag rules being followed. I was really surprised by that. Pero tried to pin Sheik, but Effie was legal, which was kind of funny. The referee kind of caught it and said, "Uh uh-huh, not, not, not them. So Pero brings in a chair, hits Effie hard with it. Effie eventually hits a sack rider on Pero through a bunch of chairs. There's another spot where Ali hits Pero with an awesome face buster. Another spot where Pero throws Sheik from the ring onto the floor. Then he hits Effie and Ali with a double choke slam. Like things like this were going on constantly. Effie and Ali goes for the super sack rider and a masked man enters the ring and attacks. Should I give it back to you there for a minute or what do you want to? Who did you, to when you first saw this, I, I, don't, I uh-huh. think you maybe saw, did you see like a spoiler of who it was before you saw, or did you go into this, like not knowing who it was? Cause I know you watched it a couple of days after. Honestly, it could have been almost, and I would not have known any different. Yeah. yeah I, I didn't have any expectations. I mean, I'm looking at it and I go, Hoodfoot? Like, it's a big guy. I'm like, shit, who is that under there? And I, I couldn't. Yeah, man. I was kind of headed in that same way too. I honestly, Hoodfoot was one of the ones, but I thought it was more as a swerve. Uh, I thought Hoodfoot mm-hmm. was going to come out to kind of finish his un- unfinished business with Slade after when he got stabbed by Slade. And but like the whole, all the fans would think it was someone to help out, help out Mason's mercenaries. But then in the end, I thought it was like I just said, it was a bigger person. I, my first thought was Hoodfoot as a kind of a nope we're not this this person ain't here to help you Effie had this bag of tricks and or had him in the bag in, in his bag of tricks and threw a swerve to the fans but unfortunately it was not Hoodfoot it was another great call I think I think Pero too has been a great addition to the storyline I, I was ready to see the storyline end but with the addition of Pero and how he looked during this match I do want to see it end at the Effie's Big Gay Brunch but I'm um, he added a lot more time to the story than what I thought was originally done for at in LA until Pero showed up. But Billy Dixon is the masked man to help out Pero and Slade and join Mason's mercenaries and attack Team Thrusty. And I thought that was another brilliant call, too. It didn't make sense. Like, I didn't understand why Billy would help out Mason. So I was kind of wanting to hear more like a backstory of why this is mm-hmm. happening but i think as we kind of head into like the next next show or two we kind of get more of a explanation and i think billy actually tweeted out to uh a reason why he did it and i think that was good to kind of even out the numbers and even though it was a surprise of billy dixon turning heel uh, in a way and going against effie dark sheik and alley but Mason getting all these big boys as backup with Arrow yep. and Billy Dixon is so smart because it plays into the little dastardly scared heel that he is. And he's getting a lot bigger muscle to kind of do the dirty work for him while he comes in and cleans up the scraps. So, okay. Okay. So we have then another friend of Effie being purchased by Charles Mason. So I don't know. I don't have an answer and I'm sure there is going to be one. I'd love to know who, but Effie has to eventually respond with some people himself. That's the only thing I'm thinking here. 
because otherwise right now there's such a huge mountain to the top to reach mason the only other thing that makes sense is that effie has to fight each one of those individually to get there like mortal Kombat style <laughs> and you know, style and aw know. now like you got the five matches yeah. you gotta win to get to me I, I definitely see that kind of playing out right now in front of our eyes in gcw and i i actually hope that formula kind of changes for mjf no lie it's, because yeah. i would like to see more of him but also it's semi-predictable you know to fight this one guy who's five foot nine you have to go through all these other people nah but i do I'll love just, that just, you know no go ahead sorry oh no there wasn't much more than that <laughs> i just i i could see it working a couple times but it seems like the mjf formula is you got to fight 19 people to get to me and unfortunately half the time he's the younger guy between the two and he's the one that should have more under his belt yeah I, I do like, though, it gets, like, surprise matchups and, like, with the possibility, like, when he brought in Nick Gage, that was, like, just fucking awesome. And that, yep, and yep. now he's, like, still bringing in, like, not bringing in, but, like, signing these crazy matchups now for uh, Brian Danielson. But I do kind of like we get to see fun matchups that we probably could have seen, but it adds a little bit of intrigue to it. But as you said, it's been done now. This is, like, the third time in a row he's done this to uh, to an opponent. So it is kind of, like, played its course for a little bit. But I could say, see Charles Mason kind of doing the same thing to Effie on uh, it making yep. sense, obviously, as it is now heading into uh, Effie's big gay brunch. I just, yeah, I'm trying to think of like, I was going to think of a name when you said of who can Effie bring in as a little bit bigger, someone big enough to kind of hold their right. own against Pero and Billy Dixon. And I just right now um, can't think of the wrestler. Okay. So let's work it out. We have SPS. We have, um, oh, well, uh yeah a couple a couple teams that i could think of that like uh, yeah i, mean, I wanted to say dem boys i'm like ah oh, uh, they would have fit yeah. really good in here um i don't know it has to be they have to be big and beefy because right now mason has half of a offensive line on his team that's where i'm like stuck on i'm like man like who can who can effie get that would be uh be able to hold their own with them i'm trying to look back at some of um Wait, so are all the people that are attacking Effie gay? I believe right? so. Yeah, I know Billy Dixon's part of it. I know Pero is. Right, Pero. Um, I can't think of... Yeah, I honestly can't think of a third name there that would come out that he would be able to, to kind of get and help him go against Mason's mercenaries. Um, The one name I, it's not easy. I'm kind of thinking of, but uh, we haven't seen him in a while, is Jaw. Frontman Jaw. We haven't seen him in a long time. Huh. And I think he would kind of, since we haven't seen him in a while, and I, I've been enjoying his work that he's kind of doing in other promotions right now. I definitely wouldn't mind seeing him um, come out and help with Effie. But I do have another name that we have not seen in a couple weeks that we did not see for a while, too, that has some history with Billy Dixon. And that name is AJ Gray. AJ Gray uh, has some history with Billy Dixon. With I think it was for the culture the uh, the AJ Gray booked the match I think um, AJ Gray booked the match against Billy Dixon but AJ something happened where AJ didn't make the match and so Billy was kind of left without a matchup and he ended up getting the match uh, at another I think at Effie's Big Gay brunch um, later on the next year but I know Billy Dixon and AJ Gray kind of have a little beef going on because of that where AJ Gray does have ties with SGC could help out. Uh, Effie and Alley catch other members of SGC to kind of go against uh Pero and Billy, but 
as we will kind of go over the shows that happened this last weekend, I don't know if Billy's going to be a part of the equation or not. It's going to be uh, it, it's interesting to go where they're going because that was another little curveball they threw at us this, this uh, last weekend that we could talk about in a future podcast when we review that show. But I think that was just added another little layer of what the <laughs> uncertainty of what could possibly happen at Big Effie's Big Gay Brunch. And I'm excited for it because the uncertainty makes it... <laughs> Gets me more invested to not know what's going to happen. I I would like to see more morning shows like that, more wrestling morning shows. I think they should have cereal bars. I think we should. <laughs> fuck it. You know what? I'd come out for like an 8 a.m. show, cereal, blood guts, you know. I think that would go really well, like an early morning GCW or they have brunch. Why not have breakfast? There should be a breakfast out there. I'm not kidding. I don't know who would be on it. And I know it sounds funny, but yeah. So this is my first time being there. I wonder if there's actually going to be a brunch or not. Like, I think there was one time a brunch, but I don't think last time there was one. If I couldn't keep up with what was the, what the talk was happening with uh, that going back, I heard a lot of fans like ask if there's going to be a brunch. And I think Effie said, wait and see or something like that. So if there is a brunch, I might have to get a little breakfast before that show. Cause I I think that's going to be a fun show too. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, you get a little eggs, sit there, get a little toast, bacon, (laughs) eat maybe an hour or two in, you get a beer or two, you know, you're freaking sloshed by 11 AM. What a fantastic (laughs) time to be alive. No. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why, but I thought it would be cool to have some kind of a morning show or something like that. An early bird kind of show, or I don't know. I mean, you show up in your in your pajamas. I don't know. Something. <laughs> hey, we got emo night. We just come in with our pajamas after emo night. So let's talk about that just for a quick second. All right. Because of my age, what about like 90s West Coast hip hop night? Like, you know, emo. Emo night was a fad. I get it. But it wasn't that big. It wasn't Dr. Dre big. It wasn't Snoop Dogg big. A lot of people outside of that era can't name an emo band no True. lie i just i just say it because you know i'm one of those people i'm like okay i've heard of it i i know it i know it made a lot of people dress you know a certain way but that that's you know that's all i really know about it the music was okay at best i mean I there liked, was a couple of things uh, emo night i liked because it was the first one and I, like as we we kind of talked about this off the podcast but yeah i liked yeah. how they had the different music i liked how we got to see like ali way i think it was instead of ali catch um i think even jimmy lloyd <laughs> jimmy lloyd came out with all the white face paint which was pretty funny um it was yeah. cool seeing the different the emo sides of these wrestlers which was fun but as you said like instead of just rehashing something that they did especially on the in la where it won't make any sense the one thing you said that kind of i like i was like oh that's a good idea but then i was like it's not really a la but you said like a kind of like a grunge night and i was like oh that'd be something. good but i think yeah. maybe they should save that for like maybe seattle or like a pacific Bro, west Co- west coast hip-hop and then right in yeah. la and then you what said the that fuck? one and i was like yeah that would be a good one too but then yeah I think because what they also had that night for the culture that night uh, or that weekend as well. I think maybe that might be incorporated a little bit into it for the culture oh, night, but not a, be cool. not a totally separate night than that. Cause like, I don't want to like just put those two together. Cause for the culture is like a super fun show. Like it's one of the more entertaining shows of the collective. I always look forward to it because all uh, like we get to see a lot of talent that we don't really get to see in GCW uh, as often. And they always tend to show out and stuff like that. So 
I'm interested to see the For the Culture show, but I agree with you. I don't think it should have been emo night, but some sort of like maybe surfer night or I guess you can go surfer grunge kind of style. Uh, eh, combine the I two if thought, you wanted to. Dude, if you're in L.A., just like the Super Bowl, you were in L.A., guess what you're doing? You're doing Dre. You're doing Eminem. You're doing all that shit. You're yeah. doing Interscope Records. You got Tupac. Like, there's so many cool, like, there was such an era-defining sound that I'm really surprised that we've got 90 emo nights from, you know, all these indie companies, and we failed to have, you know... Well, maybe Something they'll like do like that. some hip hop emo and stuff like that. Cause I know that's kind of like a <laughs> hip hop emo music going around. Well, like not emo. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. You know what I'm saying though? There's like a different, yes, I, do. I forgot the name of it. Like, um, kind of like what VXS uses. I don't, I forgot the name, like the style or genre that they're calling that rest or that music now. Um, mm-hmm. but there, I know there's like some like hip hop or rap artists that kind of are not, uh, typical hip hop lyrics and style stuff like that. They kind of do lean towards like emo, emo kind ish lyrics and stuff like that. But right. eh, I'm interested to see what they will do in LA. Like that's, I yeah. don't think they're going to rehash the exact same thing, but I think they might add a little, as you said, a West coast LA kind of spin to the whole emo night. I'm, I'm actually kind of looking forward to, it. I don't think I'm going to dress out anywhere. I was no, all black no. anyway. So I guess you could call me the emo. I used to, I've always worn all black. Like, like, I remember in high school, yeah. like, people used to ask me, "Are you emo?" I'm like, "No, I'm just wearing all black. I don't emo. I'm not any of this stuff. I'm, I'm me. I'm not emo or jock or any of that stuff." Like, but I would always get that because I wore all black in high school. But I didn't wear like face paint or any of that shit. It's just like, yeah, I'm yep. wrestling. All my shirts were black wrestling shirts, and and I always wear like black pants or black sweatpants and stuff like that. So I'm looking oh. forward to emo night, and I just want to see it. the collective is just going to be fun anyway. Uh, kind of still, I know we. I wish they still had some sort of planet death, but hopefully we could still get our ultra violence as some sort of way during the collective weekend. I wonder if Dylan McKay is going to show up to emo night. What? Not emo. Right. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, just put on a hat. <laughs> that would be pretty funny, but yeah, quickly, just a quick thing. I do like the little wrinkle of Billy Dixon. Uh, at this point, I was wondering where they're going to go from here. I did not expect where they went. Um, at one of the shows this week, this last weekend that we will review in a future episode. But at this point, I was interested to see where, where they're going. Cause I had the same thoughts with what, what is Effie going to do to kind of help even out the size advantage. And even though he had the numbers advantage, he definitely doesn't have the size advantage with Billy Dixon and Pero on team Mason side. So uh, still a lot of questions and I'm looking forward to what the, uh, those uh, questions are answered leading up to, the collective and Effie's big gay brunch. And I think that's where the blow off is going to be. I could be completely wrong. I'm just assuming that's kind of what they're doing this angle for um, Effie's big gay brunch. Our eighth matchup of the evening is one. I was looking forward to stylistically name everything. I wanted to see homicide going against John Wayne Murdoch. And I'm once again, so happy to see homicide back in the GCW ring. He's one of my longtime old Ring of Honor Impact wrestlers that I've always enjoyed and cheered for and stuff like that. So seeing him anytime I can in a GCW ring, I am all for it. And going against John Wayne Murdoch, I knew this match would not be a Texas catch can. I knew it would be kind of more <laughs> of a brawl kind of style matchup. Yeah, not a was, technical. 
Not a technical <laughs> match. Right? But I thought this would be right up John Wayne Murdoch's alley. And I think this is like one of the bigger names he's faced, like just off name value alone. And I wanted to see if he'd be able to not, not step up. I think at this point of the game, he's a little bit more like he's more better and fluid and solid in the ring than Homicide is because Homicide's kind of. Uh, been doing it a long time, but he can still go for someone his age. And I like how he's kind of transformed his move style of still doing the old homicide classics while pacing himself and doing a lot more storytelling in the ring with the fork and stuff like that. So I was all in on this match. I actually kind of stopped. I, I stopped playing my video game and put the controller down and watched the match. <laughs> and I was excited for it and it delivered. I very much enjoyed this match. I'll tell you what delivered was that video package. I really, really, really feel vindicated by all these video packages that have been showing up because they look so damn good. Yep. It just everything looks 10 times better and a hell of a lot more important. And it makes the rec- wrestlers look a hell of a lot cooler, too. You know, you put a bunch of like you take Murdoch and you have a bunch of reap, you know, shit of him gets, getting hit with shit. And it just looks so damn cool. So um, before this match even started, we had huge homicide chance, which I found very impressive. And during his intro, Murdoch attacks homicide. So homicide had his back turned. He's got his face towards the camera. He's got his arms out. Murdoch comes out, boom, hits him. And even though he's a heel, Murdoch is still getting Duke chance from the crowd, which I find interesting. He he's undeniable. You love to hate him kind of thing. I'm guessing that's what that is. And he kind of has like an every man kind of vibe about him too where every person yeah yeah relate to him and cheer for him yeah i think that's a good point um murdoch bring out bring out ha he brings out this has been a long night for me so far (laughs) murdoch brings out chairs and doors he starts putting him into the ring and then homicide had a great tope that sends duke into the second row of seats i thought it was a fantastic little spot homicide wanted the ref to count out john wayne murdoch but there's no count outs in gcw i thought that was kind of funny i love that spot there Right. And then and, you know, because he set it up for quite a while, too. He put all that shit on him. And, you know, I mean, he took a good 20, 25 seconds just to say count him out. Uh, It was a good veteran brawl as a storytelling pace. It really worked for me. Somebody would get hit and they'd actually show that it hurt them. They had time to actually breathe and we had time to take in the impact of those punches. But yeah, and because of that, the crowd was invested in this match and so was I. It looked a little more believable and it was helpful, hard hitting and yeah. I right there with you. That's what I was kind of saying too, but you worded it way better in your notes of uh, the storyline kind of pacing. That's how kind of how homicide now tends to do his matches, which is fine. As you old get older, you're not going to be able to put on a 15 minute spot fest. You're going to have to learn how to not learn, not that you just learn how to tell a story, but you're going to have to rely on telling a story more than your moves. And I think, as you said, both of them did a fantastic job of, Letting the move sink in, letting the crowd digest it and react to it and give them the space and time to just process what they're seeing and kind of react. And that's what it kind of caused, as you said, I, I like that he had a lot of dueling chants in this one, too, of homicide and uh, and oh, yeah. Murdoch chants and stuff like that. Um, I was wondering, too, I, I can't remember because this was two weeks ago. I, I didn't make a note of this spot, so I don't think it quite happened. But every time Homicide stabs that fork into the turnbuckle, like he did it this one before the match started, um, like I always wonder if, who's going to get the drop toe hold onto the fork in the 
in the, oh. in the bunker because it's kind of like it's placed there. Like kind of like how we see some of these doors and chairs, like they're placed there and then they don't come back to them for 10 minutes because then you forget about them. And then once that person goes through it, you're like, oh, shit, I forgot that they set that up and stuff like That's that. That's right. So I don't remember if John Wayne Murdoch did take like a drop toe hold or something to the fork, but um, always got to watch out for homicide in the knee pad where he has the fork hanging out. And just seeing him in this Talia Hall kind of remind, like I said, a Hammerstein show. And that was, that was the last time I saw homicide was in person was at the Hammerstein show. So kind of, they did like a little quick view of it. And it just had like flashbacks between him and Murdoch or ah, him and Moxley. And I think Murdoch is kind of a similar opponent as Moxley, just a lot less, uh, Murdoch's more, or God, Murdoch. Moxley's more intense than Murdoch is, but I think Murdoch kind of did a kind of a John Moxley style uh, pace during this matchup, and I just had got Hammerstein vibes just watching this match. Wow, that's a good way to put it. But again, you see the steps, you see the stage, you see the fans. It's mini Hammerstein. Yep. So I love. That yeah, opinion. this is an incredibly enjoyable match between these two. It certainly is fun to see someone take a punch and sell it. No lie. I, I'm sounding like the old guy here, but um, boy, does it matter. No lie. Yeah. And I think, as you said, it was a different style and pace mm-hmm. than what the first two matches were, what the last couple brought just thrown together matches were. Um, and the last the match before this was more storytelling. I like I that's what the one thing I love about GCW. We get to all these different kind of style of matches and matchups and stuff like that, where you don't feel like you're watching the same thing over and over and over again on night. You see lucha you see just random craziness you see a storyline and then this match just an old school kind of 90s wrestling ecw match where they're kind of telling the story in the ring and not relying on a bunch of high flying moves and high impact moves to tell a story they're kind of just being more realistic and more cautious of their bodies and the pacing of the match which i can uh enjoy and appreciate and i like to see that john wayne murdoch was doing the one thing that a lot of death matches won't do um, wrestle. He put on a fantastic match. He did not need to bleed or swing anything for quite a while. And he still made every punch count. So I just wanted to get a hats off to him also for uh, having more depth than just swinging chairs. And that's what I've one thing that always made me a fan of John Wayne Murdoch. When I got to see more of him was he is not just death match wrestler. He can go, put on a 15 20 minute match without all the fuckery and bleeding and stuff like that like yeah he still brought in a door during this match and chairs but it wasn't uh it wasn't yeah, a john yeah. wayne murdoch tos kind of style matchup um and before i get to my point that i wanted to bring up or the reason why i brought up that tos stuff uh homicide does pick up the victory as uh he does hit the avalanche ace crusher but once again, another loss for John Wayne Murdoch after TOS. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. know what's going on there. Like, what's what? Where they're going from it? Like, well, I, th- I thought once the torch was kind of passed to John Wayne Murdoch, I thought he would be the ultraviolet champion and he would be kind of the face of Deathmatch Rustin for GCW for the foreseeable future because he's top of the game up there in Alex Cologne. And at the, after that TOS performance, I thought this was kind of like his elevation to another level, but. He's still kind of taking losses and it's, it just makes me wonder where they're going from. I'm not complaining about it. It just makes me wonder of what kind of direction they plan on going with John Wayne Murdoch. Well, Murdoch needs his buddy back. No lie. He could use, he could use his buddy back, his deathmatch buddy. The bastards just aren't the same without him there. Um, okay. So with all those wins as the bastards, I wonder if these losses are just the balance. 
You know what I mean? Booking wise, the booking balance. All right, John, you've had 14 wins in a row. Is it okay if you eat shit for, you know, for a couple here, eight, nine losses? Um, but the other thing is, is maybe we need to see Murdoch and Gage kind of face off. That's the best. Maybe he one. needs to have a hardcore championship. I, I don't that, know. Yeah, I no, cool. I agree with you. Like, if it's not going to be for the ultraviolet championship, <clears throat> I would definitely like to see Murdoch go against Gage because I don't think we've seen that match in years. Like, I don't, maybe if ever, like in GCW, I thought when John Wayne Murdoch was around for like the first couple uh, GCW shows at the Howl, I don't know if he ever crossed paths with Nick Gage, but. At this point of the game, that is definitely one match I would like to see. And that's why I thought they were heading towards with him winning TOS. Like I said, I, I thought this would elevate him to that status, maybe even above the ultraviolet championships. Like, hey, I already, right. already did that for like a year ago. Now I've done these tournaments. I've earned my shot. I belong on the main event level going against Nick Gage's kind of people and stuff like that. And maybe that's where they are leading to it. Who knows? But as you said, I, I understand the whole balance of, winning and losing but it just seems like yeah he's taken a lot of l's after this tos victory and it just momentum wise doesn't make sense to me and timing wise doesn't make sense other than just for the sake of balancing it out but maybe it will lead into some sort of him versus nick gage kind of style match and i, I would be all for it because as i we used to kind of talk about nick gage's run he's gone against the leo rush he's gone against moxley so it's two different styles of matches there he's right against um, who was the other one he went against? He went against Tony Deppin, and now I think he's time for another kind of a ultraviolet kind of style matchup. Like I like seeing the 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 death matches, and then other other random people that he would never face or have has never faced before. Um, and like we're going to see in LA against Speedball. So I do like the variation of matchups that he's had while defending the title match, and I think maybe John Wayne Murdoch, as you said, kind of fits right in. I just hope all these losses kind of don't. Take away from it. And I also want to see more defenses from Gage. So keep them coming. I appreciate seeing him every couple shows. The more the merrier. Um, Murdoch always reminded me of a young old man. The way he moves, the way he talks. He just reminds me of a young old man. Um, he also reminds me of someone who's a young legend. I think that there's going to be a place for him in deathmatch heaven when it comes time because he's just solidifying himself. It's just tough as fuck. He's like, I mean, more, he's like a 35 wow. year old. That's been 35 for 18 years. <laughs> like, yeah. Or, or 55 years old going on 35. <laughs> yeah. That's who. So I just wanted to mention it though, because he's always looked older to me than I'm sure he really is. He yeah. always seemed like such a mature wrestler. Maybe it's just, he comes across as a mature wrestler. I don't know. And he has that old school, old school name wrestling name he has the old school kind of look and feel to himself too so I, yeah. I i see it as well i do hope he kind of does get the at least a chance even if he doesn't beat nick gage to kind of have the have it in your back pocket to say i at least challenged nick gage in 2023 for the gcw world title i think that could kind of help elevate his momentum again and kind of get him back into the pace i just don't understand with all the losses of where they're going but that's the beauty of wrestling where Right, we don't know yet. It's always good to kind of question and not know everything. So I do now look forward to whenever I see John Murdoch again, they're like, hey, what? who's he going to, is he going to win? Is he going to lose? Because you just never know. And that much, but that's what makes wrestling fun. And this is a great setup before the main event too. Yep, that's a good call too. That's another part of the main event. I like to see the tag team uh, go against each other as well. 
Our main event, as you said, is a tag team match with the hate club of Matt Tremont and Nick fucking Gage going against the East-West Express of Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne. And yeah, I there was a lot of different places they could have gone during this match. I don't think they kind of went anywhere with it, which is fine. I'm all I'm for that as well, but I think there could have been a lot of fun s- stories that could have been told with this matchup and how it played out and where it went from the ending and stuff like that. But for what it was, it was a nice fun matchup to kind of see the the um the older team of Hate Club go against a younger team of East Wex Express, but also with Jordan and Nick uh, Gage kind of having a history. I was wondering if how intense it would be, but I do kind of like how it played out of Nick Gage not holding anything back from Jordan, from Jordan nope. or Nick. It's like, nope. nope, you guys are stepping up here. Time to prove your worth and uh, show everybody that you don't need to be, not that they are hanging off his name, but like you guys don't need me to kind of guide you around anymore. You're kind of your own tag team and you guys could will be just fine by yourselves. And this was a fun match. I did get more crazier than I thought, to be honest with you as well. <laughs> yeah, this is the veterans versus the youth. The first four minutes, basically the first few minutes were back and forth. Upper hand was mostly going to Tremont and Gage. Now, four minutes in, and this is what we were wondering about. How was Gage going to deal with Oliver? Well, he started to get rough on him pretty early. I'm noticing here that even the East-West Express can't stop fans from chanting for Nick Gage. We had MDKs, Nick fucking Gage chants the whole time. That says a lot right there. When the baby faces, the young baby faces, the young guys, the ones the ladies should like, can't seem to get over past Nick Gage, that says something about Nick Gage. So then the other thing I'm going to mention here was good job on the referees tonight. There were twice where pins were attempted on non-legal opponents and the referees stopped it both times. Good freaking job and good on them for doing so. There are good chunks of time where the guys were in control, like the young guys. At one point, Gage was beat up for almost three minutes. When Tremont does get in, he lays down a lot of heavy damage. Around minute 13, and the fight goes to the outside. Still, a lot of MDK chance. The crowd's totally supportive for Gage at this point. The baby faces were not the baby faces the way it should have been. GCW talents have fought all over the arena tonight. Every square inch was used. Gage speared Wayne through a door at minute 16. Yeah, minute 16. We're still going. Even double teamed, Gage couldn't be pinned. We're talking about 16, 17, 18 minutes into the match at this point. Tremont, I'd realized, was absent for about the second half of the match, probably five, six, seven, maybe eight, nine minutes. I I see him get up and he's hopping on one leg. It looked like he was holding his knee or maybe close to his ankle. I couldn't tell. But I'll just wrap it up. The winners ended up being the hate club. Basically, um, Tremont delivered a Death Valley driver. Um, How did this work? The hate club delivers. I'm looking at it right now. Delivers a Death Valley driver into a Nick Gage pile driver on Nick Wayne. It's like a crazy move, but that's the best way I could write it down. And I liked it, too, because it's kind of like, hey, you guys aren't the only ones that can do tag team moves. Look at us old guys kind of do a tag right. team move, too. And uh, yeah, I love I I just said I love the kind of ending of it, too, because uh, it just kind of showed like, hey, we get we're, we're not dead yet here, guys. We're still we're still the the kings of this shit. We're still the gods. And 
yeah, I kind of I saw the same thing too with Trayma. I was like, oh, I hope he's not really hurt because uh-huh. into this match, I, like if I don't see John Wayne Murdoch go against Nick Gage, I definitely would like to see Matt Trayma go against Nick Gage just one last time too. Because I definitely think he's earned it for sure during uh, his run since he's been back in GCW. But this so, no good, good. Oh, I was just gonna say also for twenty one minutes long, that was a lot. That was a good length for a main event. I give him credit for that too, not just clocking it in for 11, 12 minutes and hey, thank you, good night. That, that's where I was going. <laughs> that's exactly what I was oh, about no to shit. say. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm glad that this match went as long as it did because it showed that Nick and uh, Nick Gage and Tremont still can go at a match for that length. Like, I mean, yeah, we saw uh, Nick Gage go against Leo Rush for 28 minutes and that kind of was right there. The <laughs> Everything I needed to see that know that Nick Gage was back, but... Uh, during this tag team against especially two younger talents that move at that just as uh, not as fast as Leo Rush, but with that speed, I was kind of wondering how both of those would hold up the longer this match went. And as you said, I think they both did good. Like This was a good match. I just wish there was a little bit more storytelling between Jordan and Nick Gage. I think they could have gone a lot of different ways. Like either, mm-hmm. like I said, there's many different ways I've booked in my own head where they could have gone. But um, in no way, shape, or form did I thought the East-West Express would win unless by like some sort of, not miracle, but major angle that they were going to go with. Um, but seeing those two kind of being able to not go 1,000% every single second of this match, like how they normally are used to, Jordan and Nick did a good job of selling and doing a... The bumps that, especially when Nick Wayne took the the gauge pile driver, his both legs just split out in between, and you see his body go limp. I just think they're selling did a great <laughs> job of uh, showing just how hard hitting that Tremont and Gage still are at this stage in their careers, and I think they made them look good. But I also think uh, Gage and Tremont held their own to make the East West Express look good as well. And yeah, once Nick Gage and Jordan kind of went at it with the chops and stuff like that, that's where I was. As you said, that's where I wanted to see what was going to happen and. I like Nick Gage. Like, nope, I've touched. Like, I've been working with you and training with you, but this is this is in the ring. This is my fucking place, and I don't care who you are. You're gonna have to, as right. he always says, you're gonna have to put a bullet in his brain or pry the title from his cold dead hands because he's not gonna take it easy on anybody in the ring, no matter who you are, even if you train with them all the time. So, I liked it. This was good. Um, it was a good little showcase too of the East West Express kind of. Heading into their title match coming up with the next, uh, the following weekend or the week after going against Los Macisos for the tag titles. Um, I think Nick Wayne was kind of a little bit out of place here, but I think he did a good job of inserting himself in and kind of getting over it as he normally does, no matter who the opponents are and stuff like that. Just because he, we don't really see the, the more extreme kind of match matchup, uh, that when him and Jordan tag is more a normal two-on-two tag match, not any fuckery involved with it. So seeing Nick Wayne kind of uh, do some of the spots, especially as you said, when Tremont DVD'd him through the, the table was kind of cool scene. Okay, and so we'll talk about the fact that the hall does not allow blood. What a perfect time to have these two teams meet up. I really don't think with the looks of Oliver or Wayne, they should have their face cut up. What a great time to meet the hate club who is known for being an extremely violent group, which by the way, they were saying the hate club reunion was a one night only kind of thing uh, that night, which is kind of interesting because I've seen them quite a few times. Because it turned um, into them being the Briscoes for the tag title. 
<laughs> right, right. That's kind of so, crazy to think about now. It, it does happen. But yeah, veterans versus youth, the match freaking delivered. I was happy with it again because there was not a need for blood. There's just why. So if there's going to be a time for these guys to really face, this really was it. If you think about it, I, I don't know. I just, no, it's I just something I was thinking of. Um, but uh, where do they go from here? That's what I'm trying to figure out. When is it time for Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver to go into Los Macisos land? And I, I think they need some time because it's going to take a level of maturity they don't have yet. But I know they could give them hell. And I thought this was the match that was going to kind of elevate them to set it up. Like, I was thinking there would be a little bit of fuckery just to kind of show. Because last time the East West Express went against Los Macisos. For 95% of the match, it was a straight-up tag match. And then all of a sudden, you see yeah. Macisto's like, hey, we can't finish these guys off. Like, let's get out. Let's do what we do best and get out the fuckery and put them through some table, tables and doors and chairs. And that's what they did to get the victory, where I was thinking maybe that Jordan and Nick would kind of, like, maybe pull out a t- door or uh table first and kind of show, like, hey, this is what we're going to have to do to beat Los Macisos. And this is what we're going right. to have to do to beat you guys. And we're going to show you here. This is, we are willing to do what's needed to win the tag titles. And um, yeah, I, I agree with you though. I think this kind of showed, this kind of hurt the little, the push that they were going in momentum towards the GCW tag titles. So I didn't really think that helped them at all for that per se, but I did think it helped elevate them as a team, just in general, just, not to be right after this match go against the tag titles. Well, I would love to be behind the scenes after the match to hear what Tremont and Gage had to say to Oliver and Wayne about what they were doing out there. I think that would have been the golden conversation I'd love to have heard. Yeah, and I was thinking that too at the end. Like, it just kind of suddenly went off camera. Like, it just ended. It didn't really... I was hoping for the same, like, some sort of, like, oh, these two are the realest motherfuckers, like... You guys go beat Los Macisos' ass. You guys have showed here that you probably right. could, but we're still the top dogs here. We're still the hate club. We're the MDK game. You just you're not quite there yet, kind of stuff. Yeah, and and he's right. Even though they're good and they're the hot thing, they're not quite there yet. They still have a level of maturity to reach. And again, they're in a very hardcore style company. So it's going to be really interesting to see if they get that title, how they're going to defend it when they're used to defending against. Well, eventually they'd have to come up against, say, the Mega Bastards. They have to eventually defend that title against SGC. What's that going to look like? You know, so so we have to think about that realistically and see, you know, how well that fits the future for both of those, because I'm painting a very bad picture, I think, very dark. But I'm looking at it realistically. Both of these kids very well could have a good amount of money in their pocket 10 years from now. And maybe it's best to not fuck up their faces. So especially uh, with Nick Wayne, like I, I think he's in April or whenever school ends in May, I think he might be close to done with GCW, unfortunately, because of him now graduating high school, like how they said they want him on AEW programming and him showing up. And when they were in Seattle earlier uh, or no, was it earlier this year? I think it was, um, him showing up in there again, TV time was pretty cool scene, especially him interacting with Samoa Joe. So I think that's kind of like their way of starting to kind of tease of, hey, we are going to be using Nick Wayne here soon. And we're going to get the fans familiar with his name because in a couple months we're going to be using him. So I just hope that he kind of goes back on his thing of not letting AEW talent work for GCW. Um, I kind of hope that just kind of was a in the heat of the moment kind of decision. And then he kind of backtracks on it because i think tony khan 
if him letting like Blake Christian, Tony Deppin still work for GCW, like it's GCW and Brett showing, Hey, trust you trust us with these guys. Trust us with Nick Wayne too. Like we know that you got yeah, big plans yeah. for him. We're not going to get him. As you said, bloodied and cut up and mess up his TV value. We're going to let him be himself, but just with GCW. And that's where he kind of, I think that's where fans know him from is GCW nowadays. So, um, I do hope that we still get to see a little bit more of Nick Wayne, even though uh, after the summer when he graduates high school. Oh, cool speaking thing. of, sorry, oh. no, just one last thing. Oh. It was kind of cool to see you Nick first. Cage jump off the top rope and uh, do a to the outside, oh, do, a, do a clap. <laughs> like he's like, I'm going to the top. Oh no, let's go to the second rope. I'm not quite up yet. <laughs> this is after him saying like, "Oh, I need both feet on the, on the ground here." I'm not like Matthew Justice, and that's yeah, why. that's not his thing. <laughs> that's not his thing. Some people, I'm one of them. I'd rather just keep my feet on the ground and leave the high flying stuff to people who can actually take a fall. <laughs> so what I was going to tell you was speaking. Speaking of showing up on AEW, this week on AEW Dark, our own Billy Starks took on Britt Baker. Mm -hmm. Uh So that wasn't too long ago. And if you have a chance, go out there and check it out. Support her. It looks like she really gave Britt Baker hell. Tony Deppin picked up his first victory on AEW. Oh, congratulations, Tony Deppin. I'm telling you, AEW is doing a little more work with... uh, with GCW talent than WWE is at this point. Yeah, see, that's another name I always forget now is Billy Starks too, because yeah, he's going to definitely sign up. I think she's going to sign her yeah, up she's... real fast because she's yeah. up there with Nick Wayne as being one of the top prospects in wrestling at a young age, male or female, don't matter. So, um, well, who else do they have for kids that's a, that's a female in AEW? Um, I think they got what that Sky Blue. I think she's pretty young for but uh, for kids. Oh, like for like See? a character for yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A character for kids. Um, ooh, like just she women would be just perfect. Like, yeah, I'm just saying she she checks off the boxes there for somebody who's very kid friendly. She uses use you know the use of color. She's always smiling. It's just like she's a big twelve year old. They can she could be like daily esque um, kind of stuff and like that's yeah, what kind of got yeah. her originally over in WWE was as you said being kid friendly. I think yeah, Billy Starks has a lot of. Uh, could do a lot of like what Bailey did to kind of get herself over with the kids and young fans as well. That's a good. Call. And I say kid, I say kid because she's literally the age of my son. My son <laughs> is the same age. He's a senior this year too. So to me, anything like 23, 25 and under is a kid to me. I don't know. That's just how old I am. I think at this point, like they're all kids, they're all kids, but yeah, Billy Starks, I think has a really good future ahead of her. I think quite a few of these people do. And I want to see where they go. Sitting in limbo. Funny thing. Starboy Charlie. He's got a good body type. He's got all that going on for him. When will he maybe get a break somewhere? And now I know you don't watch AEW programming too much, but did you see? No. Okay. So the last two weeks, they uh-huh. AEW um, at two different cities, they've had someone sit front row. And like the first night it said, AEW where is Starboy Charlie or when are you going to sign Starboy Charlie? And then like the next, really? and then, yeah, this week it was like AEW needs Starboy Charlie kind of stuff. So yeah, Starboy, like it's really, front row. it's like literally the person in the front row facing the hard camp. There's a sign he's holding over the barricade and says like, yeah, AEW needs to sign Starboy Charlie kind of stuff. And I really? think they, they give the fans what we want. <laughs> so that was kind of a shock too. Like it was kind of cool seeing that name, like, it was prominent all night long on both nights of Dynamite and Rampage because they tape in the same place. So it's like there's been the last four AEW shows, someone front row 
on mm. all night long. Starboy Charlie's name is being thrown out there. So, uh, wow. Yeah, as you said, limbo for now. But who knows if they keep uh, getting some more say, uh, signs from the fans and Tony Khan might do his due diligence and have to check Starboy Charlie out. He needs to do his fucking due diligence and maybe have a GCW invasion over at AEW. Just a small one. That was the small one. It was so cool seeing that Ric Flair's thing. It was be awesome seeing that again in a different, in a bigger way in AEW. Yep, I think that's the way it should have been done. It should be a situation like that. Well, even like with the Ring of Honor, they kind of do. They could do something like that in Ring of Honor, where it's not affecting AEW programming. But um, I was going back and watching. I think it was like Death Before Dishonor and seeing the trios of Alex Zane. Blake Christian and Tony Deppin team up. It was kind of like, why not just have Team GCW wow. right there? Like, that's all you need right. to do. And they could show, like, that, hey, these guys are a bigger deal because they came from this company. Yeah, but it was kind of cool seeing that. It's kind of cool seeing all of our favorites from GCW working at AEW and stuff like that. So uh, who knows? Maybe we will see Starboy Charlie in the future. I think AEW, uh, not AEW, I think GCW would be more popular if there were less companies. The internet has allowed so many companies to be out there and grow. They're the big boy. I think that I think that a lot of these smaller companies would have went to the wayside, and then every time GCW came to town, they probably would have just solidified their fan base. I think, um, yeah, GCW is exactly where ECW was at one point. And I saw like someone post like a one of these... Uh... I don't think it was like a Fightful Select, but like one of these uh, wrestling news sites, a more popular one, mm-hmm. like more credible ones that I actually, actually kind of follow. I know there's some not credible ones out there that I kind of stopped following. <laughs> but uh, it was one of the ones there. They said kind of like, hey, it's funny how us, I'm saying like us older fans, because we're all up there in age, mm-hmm. we kind of grew up with WWE, WCW, and GC, or ECW. And mm-hmm. as soon as WCW went away and ECW way, we were like, we want the old days. We like the variety. We had all these different options. And they said nowadays, they, us older fans, we're getting back into wrestling because we're getting what we had back in the day. We still got WWE. We got the new WCW now, which is AEW. And yep. they said that yeah. don't ECW, bullshit. That's GCW, the truth. And they're saying like for all for us ECW fans, if you were a fan of G- like they said in that article, if you were a fan of ECW and you checked out of wrestling, but you still think you enjoy the same kind of uh, the what you see on on TV from ECW, go check out GCW because those are the, they said like these are the top three. That was the top three back then in the States. Now these are the top three companies in the States at the moment. And I think that's pretty crazy. As you said, with all the other promotions that are out there now in the States, I know like new Japan's bigger, but they, I don't think out here, like it's more notable, like for the more mainstream wrestling fan, I think they would know more about it. New Japan than they would GCW. But I think for the fans out there that kind of are now more into like, the what's not just WWE and AEW, but they are more aware of what GCW is doing nowadays. And I think that's kind of what's helping getting all these cities to get GCW for their first shows ever. Like they've gotten popping off and doing crazy uh, numbers at these venues. And they even said like, they have to go to bigger venues. So it is nice seeing kind of uh, our old school stuff, what we grew up in kind of replay now in front of our eyes, just in a different three different letters and different names and it's been fun to watch so one of the old sayings is kind of fun is the casual fans only know what's on t-shirts 
Mm-hmm. A lot of it is either word of mouth or on t-shirts. So let's just say there's 10 companies out there and they're all equal. Whoever buys the most merchandise and shows out in public and people see those letters over and over, that's who the casual fan's going to remember. Otherwise, yeah, it takes a lot of digging sometimes to get into the independent scene. And I have a, like a literal, like a funny story just kind of going off of that because after the Hammerstein show, when we got back uh, from New York, I bought at Hammerstein that GC in red letters and F in. And then W at the bottom, kind of like how the old ECW show or shirt was, but now it's GCW. I mm-hmm. went uh, went to uh, a gas station and got like some beers and stuff. And as I was buying the beers, the guy like saw my shirt. He's like, "Oh, East. Oh, that's not ECW. That looks like an old ECW shirt. Like, is that a wrestling shirt?" I'm like, "Yeah." So if you were a fan of ECW, go check this company out. And right, right. Uh, the next, I saw him like a week later, and he said he saw some stuff on YouTube that he was like, "Where can I get all this stuff?" I'm like, and then I explained to him Fight TV Plus yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So, like, seeing a he probably hasn't watched wrestling for a long time. It seemed like, cause it just seemed like he sparked his mind. It's like, Oh, that's old ECW. It's like, well, if you know ECW, you like to go check out GCW. Cause you'll be a fan of, uh, of them. Like how you were ECW. And it's kind of cool seeing old wrestling fans kind of realizing that something that they loved that they didn't see for the longest time because of wrestling. I think now is in another boom area uh, era last year, especially with all the news. And this year, I think there's just going to keep on growing and growing. And these, fans for gcw and the the places that they're going they're gonna have to get bigger venues because a lot more fans are showing up and they're getting more aware of gcw as you said because of shirts and um merchandise and stuff like that assholes like us on twitter all day promoting (laughs) things yeah um i don't know i'm really hoping just for the best that's why we do it though we're just trying to get people to listen people to pay attention and then something for people like us to listen to it's really fun that's why that's what kind of my original thing was like hey who's doing a gcw podcast i want to listen to more of this and like oh nobody nobody, nobody really is and so why don't you go ahead and start one okay yeah, sounds now, good <laughs> now we get a bunch of support and everybody's nice to us and we're really fortunate and in in all of wrestling i've come across one person that's been negative every other single one has been absolutely fantastic and it wasn't even a gcw person everybody's been absolutely fantastic and I, I wish people understood when you go to these shows, people are giving love, you're getting love back. You know, that's the way it's supposed to be. I don't understand where people take it so crazy online. It's just a stage show, guys. Like that's the tribalism. That's, like, that's I, I I guess that's the way to put it. It's just very interesting. So I don't know. But yeah, Talia Hall. That was a new one. I'm guessing we'll probably come back there again because it was a pretty wrestling friendly venue. I hope so, because like I said, I enjoy, I love the venue just right away. The way they broadcast and everything, I was like, and the camera shots and the angles and the, the balcony up top, that this is Hammerstein, and mm-hmm. it was cool. It was cool seeing like a little mini Hammerstein in Chicago. But And it seems like they kind of had similar rules, as you said, with the blood and stuff like that, too, which is kind of... Uh, right, right. Not Baby so Hammerstein. fun to hear about, but I understand it. Hey, the fans are still hype as fuck, so good job out yeah. there, fans in Chicago, because they represented... I think that's like the first show. I, I, I'm like, I'll be, this is me being ignorant. I don't know where Talia Hall is compared to the Hoffman Estates, but like, I think every time we, they always say Chicago, they're always in the Hoffman Estates, which I've heard is not really next to Chicago. It's kind of like on the outskirts and kind of far away from where people think Chicago really is and stuff. So I don't uh-huh. uh, see them kind of venture off. And I, I don't know how far away from Hoffman Estates they were, but in a different building in Chicago, it was kind of nice, even though I still want to see during, uh, 
NGI time. I do want to see the old Hoffman Estates and the Art of War games and stuff like that. I do want to see that venue because seeing that venue just brings a lot of memories to me with all the fun shows that they've had these last couple of years from the Hoffman Estates. Okay, let's see here. So Hoffman Estates to Chicago is 35 minutes. Oh, okay. So sound like so it, it seemed like it was longer. Well, yeah, well, you know, it is on the outskirts, you know, technically. Yeah. It, it's one of the further out little areas. But yeah, if you drove into Chicago, you're still looking at a 30 minute, 30 minute haul out there. Oh, okay. But uh so what do you say? We do some memorable moments and wrap them up for the night? Yeah, you could go ahead and start if yeah. you want for your memorable moments. <clears throat> okay, mine mine are quite simple, pretty easy. I'm happy to see Los Macisos as always. I'm really learning to appreciate Ares for what he's capable of. The Blake Christian and Leon Slater match was absolutely fantastic. And in a setting where maybe they have a chance to really plan something, I think they could do even more. But they look fantastic doing absolutely everything that they were doing. The continuation of the Effie storyline, it's compelling. There's something there to to bite our teeth and to sink our teeth into. I really do appreciate it. Again, it's a storyline. It provides depth, and I appreciate it. And last was just seeing the East-West Express on a main event stage. It was satisfying. It was good to see. Are they ready? I don't know. But when it comes to GCW... Let's get them out there and give it a try. Uh, they will mature and they will do this together if allowed. And um, yeah, I would like to see Jordan travel with Wayne in the long run because I think they have something there that could go for a while. Yeah, for sure. And like, as we said, like they could go singles competitors as well while still being a tag team. Uh, my memorable moments was, yeah, I loved how they started off the show with the the mini Hammerstein um jay or mlj kind of t- uh informing the fans and educating me especially i don't know about anyone else but educating me and how much the lucha scene really is hot out there in chicago and explained why the crowd was so into it um for the rs cole Radic first match of the night so um and rs and cole delivering a great kind of technical lucha match i really love seeing so uh good on them uh, Los Vecisos once again defending the tag title. As you said, now I'm just, I just have to think about it. It's like an open challenge title. There doesn't need to be a reason. And I didn't think that way originally, but as soon as you said that, I was like, yeah, I'm an idiot. I love the kind of the whole thing of a TV title or a open challenge kind of title. So I'm, yeah. all, I'm all for it. I take back yeah, my kind of questioning on rankings and wins and losses. I guess sometimes I just need to shut the hell up and enjoy nah, what's nah, in nah. front of me. <laughs> um, no, it's worth talking about, though. Yeah, it's always it's worth good, questioning good and talking about. Discussion point. Because then I get to learn, obviously, that, yeah, I'm an idiot. And you're, nah. <laughs> you're like three words. I was like, yeah, what was I thinking? I do like the open challenge kind of stuff. Uh, you never know you never know it's all in how you look at it and you know just because they didn't say it doesn't mean it wasn't thought of but, but that i didn't think of it until you said it, it. exactly right. like that's right. what, like i didn't think about that until you said it and like oh yeah that simple little saying would change my mind completely so uh it's always good to <laughs> keep an open mind and be educated and willing to ch- change your thought processes Speaking of change in thought processes, I am now all in on this no heart Blake Christian. I loved the match with Leon Slater. I thought it did perfect for both heel heat for Blake while also putting Leon even more over and getting more sympathy from the fans. Um, once again, you made another good call. I hope it the after match shenanigans by Blake Christian was not a way to kind of send Leon Slater off. I just hope we get mm-hmm. to kind of see Leon Slater a little bit more. 
uh in gcw before he does go back um and what else and yeah the as you said storyline 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 adding the wrinkle of billy uh i almost said billy starks uh billy dixon <laughs> to the uh-huh. team of Merce- uh, mason's mercenaries with Perro and slade against team thrussy i'm interested where they're going from it they do throw a curveball later on in one of the upcoming episodes that we're behind on but i still don't even know where they're gonna go from there because it doesn't it tease something, but it didn't really definitively decide decide anything. Seeing Homicide back in the ring against Sean Wayne Murdoch, I was all for it. It was a great old school nineties, just fights and brawl, nothing too crazy. Um, but nice seeing the legend homicide uh back in a GCW ring. And of course, Hate Club versus East West Express. Seeing them get the time that they did to kind of tell a story, even though it wasn't a story that I preferred or wanted or thought they could have gone from uh the team of nick gage and Tremont going against jordan and nick wayne uh i was nice seeing though them kind of still hold their seeing the legends of the hate club kind of still hold their own and show the east west express who they're the real kings of the yard are was kind of uh nice and refreshing to see even though it did hurt the momentum of jordan and nick wayne going to the tag title match against los macisos but entertaining show i, I overall enjoyed it um, I definitely want to see another show at Talia Hall. Hopefully they get hopefully they've earned some uh leeway on some of the rules out there that they've earned the trust from the venue, but I don't know with justice kind of jumping off that might have uh cost Brett a couple dollars <laughs> in fines. But well, somebody you know. on commentary one time too jumped off and they're like, I don't care, I'm paying that fine for Matthew Justice because it was so awesome. <laughs> yeah, I um I'm really hoping that they come back to this venue again. It was a really nice venue. And I'm hoping they get their ass out to Vegas sooner than May. Yes. I'm 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 whining about it now. We <laughs> literally have still yet to see an announcement in Las Vegas. It's been damn near a year. I I kind of miss the yeah when they came out here twice in 2021, yeah. I think they came out here. Yeah, they came yeah. out in they came out uh, one weekend and then yeah, the SummerSlam weekend they came out here too. Yeah. I would I'd be now fine with two. Now even. we're bigger. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying now we're bigger. Now everybody's more supportive. Um, yeah. As long as they pick a nice venue that can hold everyone, preferably with air conditioning, yeah. would be fantastic. I yeah. think that might be why they haven't come back would be the fact that there lacks air conditioning at some of the venues that we've had. Well, now's the time Possibly. they should have came before it bumps up to 200 degrees again. That's also a very good point. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm banking on them coming out here in May because that's when they came out here last year when AEW was here. So I have a feeling that's happening and uh, looking forward to going to that show, too. Yes. So February is so, yeah. a fun show. And uh, I do still plan on going to hopefully the collective. We'll see what tickets look like. So if you are listening to this, I am probably uh, releasing this before. Let's see what's today. 24 so this will probably be released on thursday the 26th if you're listening if you're listening and it's on the 25th then you consider yourself lucky i got this out tonight <laughs> but um <laughs> but i really see things the 26th and if you are listening to this gcw collective tickets will be on sale friday morning on january 27th at 8 a.m pacific time um so yeah i plan on going to the collective hopefully but I'm really excited for the LA show too. Seeing Nick Gage versus uh, 
Nick Gage versus Speedball. I think that's going to be <laughs> a fun test of matchup for yeah. Gage and as well for uh, Speedball to kind of see what he pulled out of Nick Gage with his uh, style and style of matches that he tends to have. Dude, that, yeah, that LA show is going to be good. So my plans kind of go like this. We're... I won't say we. I know for right now, my plans are my family are going to start going to the L.A. shows. Um, GCW flies over Las Vegas so much, I'm taking it personal, and now I'm going to go out to see them in L.A. They show up so much in L.A., I'm able to find a way to do it, luckily. So actually, we're dialing back on our local shows, and we're saving our money now to go to the GCW shows. It's just It just makes more sense for us. So now we get to have a trip out to LA about every two months or so. And then we hope for, you know, May and maybe hold out for the possibility of Phoenix down the road. Maybe we'll get a Phoenix show. That would be nice. Yeah, I would be, I would like to see it close enough for me, man. I'd go down there. We'll have a little caravan, but uh, just for anybody who actually does give a damn. Yeah. We're trying to show up to those LA shows from here on out, barring any incidents. Um, and right now the plan is to be there in February. So we're going to talk about it more. I'm really looking forward to see if we could say hi to some people. I know there's quite a few wrestlers that I need to say hi to and give thanks to and probably vice versa. So it should be a good time, man. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to that one. It's going to be fun as always in L.A. And if you are trying to get tickets for GCW's Collective, uh, I don't know the exact website, but I could uh, do a shameless plug on the website that my wife has created for the podcast because really the reason she created it was just to make it a little easier for fans like her, especially and me to figure out where they're going to, where GCW is going to be and when tickets go on sale and stuff like that. So we have a kind of a calendar on our webpage. So it's gcwplantspodcast.com. Uh, you just hit those three little lines at the top, hit events and you'll see the upcoming events for GCW. And if tickets are on sale, if you click that event, you'll see a link to go buy tickets. And I know we, I know she said she put up the collective uh, information earlier today, but without the tickets link. And so as soon as Friday, that link goes live, we will be updating the website there too. So if you want a, a little easier way to see what's going on in GCW, a little calendar and what's coming up there, please check out gcwplantpodcast.com and uh, check out the events there. And then another, like I said, another easy way to kind of get tickets other than what's on GCW's um, social media. Cause they do put out a lot of stuff on social media. Just, uh, sometimes the shows and the dates and the times and the ticket links kind of get buried with all their retweets and stuff like that. So we just wanted to kind of create another little uh, web page and a little outlet for you guys to get uh, GCW tickets. And it's not like it's actually through the GCW, the event bright, it's nothing through us or anything. It's just another wow. venue to go to that website to get it. That's that we think was a little easier for us fans. So we did it. We did it. Episode 43 GCW save me. It saved me from uh, falling asleep while recording this because it was actually fun. Uh-huh. Going back and rewatching this, it was actually uh, fun. Seems all, all well, spots. It's been a couple weeks since the show happened. Yeah, so the good news is now we're only, let's see, there were shows Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and right now we're recording on Tuesday. So we're kind of caught up, but what we're going to do is we're going to just keep going, going, and fucking going until we're right where we need to be. But the good news is now is uh we're a hell of a lot closer than we were even at this show because this show is an older show but just like always we try to promise that we deliver and review each show so that 
someone has something to listen to, even if it's just this one right here. But as we record and keep going, we're going to have the shows that you've just seen. We're going to talk about those. And um, hopefully someone is entertained by it. We're just morons talking and it's <laughs> kind of fun. So, And it is. You know. We had a lot more this last week, too, since our episodes, but especially on your end, yes. a lot more interaction on your tweets because you've been tweeting a lot more than I have. But it's been awesome seeing all the interactions you've been getting from other fans with the with the podcast and stuff like so that. many so, nice yes people. for all you guys that are responding to our tweets and everything we appreciate it we try to i try to respond like hey thank you for the kind of words because it's always amazing that somebody is out there like yeah i can see a number but to actually now put a face to one of our listeners and a number and follow them back and see what their interest is and yeah learn, learn about their style and what they like with wrestling and stuff like that kind of helps us kind of be more informative while talking about GCW and try to make it more entertaining for everyone out there as well. So everyone that has responded to one of John's tweets or one of mine, we appreciate it. And uh, please keep them coming. And like I said, no, uh, even if it's uh, something to help us out here and like, you hear a sound in the background, like on this one, you're going to hear a cell phone. I, I can't edit that out, but uh, you're going to hear a cell phone <laughs> in the background stuff, but like, eh, like any, uh, it happens. any feedback positive or negative is always appreciated. We, that will help us grow. But also when we hear the nice feedback, it is nice knowing that people enjoy what we're doing. And uh, we just wanted to say thank you for listening. And we always try to respond back to you on Twitter with the, the kindness that you have given us as well. So thank you all again to whoever is out there and retweeting our stuff and, liking it and interacting and leaving us comments and feedbacks and uh picking john's color for uh the, yeah, the light, for my lights for the lights here because i know we've been saying it for a long time but uh there is plans with video in the works it's just timing is a matter of what yes but it is all right there it will be a nice easy transition once we finalize the the details and everything and it will start being live here hopefully sooner rather than later and we're slowly ramping up. Now we have regular listeners that are constantly tuning in. We have people across six different continents. There isn't a person on a continent that doesn't have other people also listening on that same continent. Things have really changed in the last, what, six, seven, eight months. And we were just fans talking. So now there are others out there and you guys aren't alone. There's a lot more than we thought. And we're looking at numbers and we're seeing it grow. And we're just going to keep sitting here like two fans and talk and uh, hopefully enjoy it. And feel free to send us questions or comments. Just like you said, Uh, you're a part of this. No shit. You're, you're really a part of this. If you weren't listening, we wouldn't be doing as much nor be as happy doing it. So um, this is your show. Also get involved in some way, by all means, you don't have to, but retweet us. But also at the same time, send questions. You know, you want yes. us to talk about something, send the damn topic. We will talk about it as mm-hmm. long as it's, you know, pretty decent wrestling related. Yeah. And we, so. as you see, we kind of, we talk about a lot of things. Uh, Extensively. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get on the topic, we, you might get a 30 minute, uh, 30 minute of the segment on your topic, but. Um, That's okay. Yeah. Yeah, keep on spread like not 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 just spreading us out. We do appreciate spreading uh, spreading out a uh, word for GCW podcast, but also keep spreading the GCW uh, GCW wrestling out there as well because like that's one thing like that, that kind of made me start this podcast was I wish somebody would have told me about GCW a lot earlier than when I found them because I missed out on a couple years of fun wrestling that I kind of fell out of wrestling, not fell out of, but I wasn't near watching it as much as I am nowadays and. 
Uh, we just want to keep spreading the love of GCW, keep spreading our podcast. We appreciate it. Um, and yeah, we just thank we're you all free. for everything. <laughs> right? We're free. We make no money. <laughs> we're not even, we're like, we're just, we just do it. We just do it. So thank you so much for just being there with us because it certainly is fun. Yes, for sure. All right, we're going to get it right yep. this time. I know 43 yeah. is a lucky yeah. number. I don't know. Yeah, you yeah, you know how that goes. Sports, but uh, I know it's a lucky number somehow, some way. Four plus three equals seven, right? And three seven. Three. Yeah, that yeah. It's, yeah, that's how it works. All that money. <laughs> Shit. I'm good at quick maths. Yes. Four and three is seven. <laughs> three sevens. I'll take it, man. Uh, um, okay, let's see if we can do this. You ready? All right, here we go. Like well, we do about this time. Oh, oh see? You already fucked it up. God, I can't even all get right. a syllable out. We already messed up. Uh, okay, long. Long live. Live. G. G. C. D. W. Dub, dub.